0: Welcome to Immortally Wounded Podcast, Episode Thirty. I'm your host James,
1: and I'm your host Chris. And tonight we are joined by a very special guest, all the way from the other side of the Dutch. Please introduce yourself.
2: Oh, kia ora, lads. It is Sean here from Notorious Age of Sigma. <laughs>
1: Welcome.
0: <laughs> it's good to oh, have
2: thanks you. For having, thanks for having me, lads. It's um, it's good to. Um, you know, first of all, get to meet you the other weekend at Sydney GT, and now sit here, talk Warhammer, shoot the shit with you, and do a bit of a recap of our adventure the other weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. And ho- hopefully, I haven't just lost our four New Zealand listeners.
2: <laughs> oh, mate, we're a resilient bunch, you know.
0: It's <laughs> good. Awesome. Yeah, man. So, um, tell us a bit about your, like, why did you come to, to Sydney GT? What, um, sort of sparked the interest and the enthusiasm to get your, get your ass over here?
2: Yeah, so really what it started with was, uh, so I came to CanCon this year, uh, 2019, and me and a couple of lads came over from New Zealand, and Tubby, uh, my co-host on the podcast, was in Bali at like a prearranged bachelor trip or something for a couple of weeks, losing his religion. And we were all at CanCon having a great time, and we were sort of exchanging pictures, and he was like, oh, man, I kind of would rather be in Australia playing Warhammer. We're just like, all right, that's odd, but whatever. <laughs> so as soon as he came back, he was like, we need to find an Australian tournament. We go into another Australian tournament. And he was dead set on it. And he sort of just picked Sydney GT. And I was, I figured, well, if he's going to go, then I probably have to come along as well because I don't want to get FOMO and miss out. So, yeah, he pretty much Tubby came back, picked Sydney GT, and then we just locked it in. I just ran it past the other half and... And she was good. And, I mean, just any chance to travel to Warhammer tournaments, especially international, was just, like, the best. The way I've described it to a couple of lads this week who have been asking me about it is it's like when you play school sports like I did um, or club sports at a junior level and you travel away for a tournament and you're just there with your mates and you're all doing something that you really love and you're all really interested in and you just sort of cram it for a few days and then normally you have a little party or celebration afterwards. I mean the audit is not sort of set in stone, but um I love traveling for events. I love meeting all these people that I've been talking to for the past couple of years. Um in person like Chris I didn't get to meet um at Cancon. So it was great to sort of I sort of knew what you looked like anyway, but it was good to finally meet you. Um and you give you stilter. some tabs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got nothing better to do, eh? <laughs> like you know so no it's, it's great I, I just i love warhammer i love traveling i love going away with mates i love the social it's there's there's so many reasons and i could talk all night about it but i'll i'll just pull it in there
0: <laughs> that's awesome man that was really it's awesome just um yeah finally get to meet the man behind the voice <laughs> so um, well, you it is have... monotone
3: <laughs> yeah
0: well um yeah so people who are listening who don't know can you tell us about a bit about your podcast so you are the notorious
2: notorious, the notorious yeah notorious age of sigma so yep. um the idea was that it was going to be like a biggie small thing because me and sean are obviously both named sean and we spell it the same way and i'm big because i'm like six three six four and and like overweight and he's um and he's like six four maybe no, sorry, not six four. What am I saying? Five four. Um, but he's like built like a brick shit house because he works out and he's buffed. Um, and and, <laughs> and big men like got
0: a luscious beard as well.
2: Oh yeah, and like big strong men hate being called small. So <laughs> I just thought it would be a great piss take to you know to rub it into him that he was small, Sean. And small. Um, so that's why we said it was a notorious theme, the whole Biggie Small thing. Uh, and we started it about eighteen months ago. Uh, we wanted to talk about the New Zealand hobby, the New Zealand scene. We wanted to spotlight New Zealand and get our mates on. And I guess we had like just enough of an ego to record ourselves, put it out on the internet, and hope that people would listen. But we normally talk about tournaments, match play, iOS, sort of what we've been up to. Uh, we've tried to cover some battle tomes in the past, and they've, some have worked out well, some haven't. Uh, yeah, we just sort of talk about whatever topics come to mind. But match play, iOS, out of New Zealand, Notorious Age of Sigma. Check it out. Yes. Number one podcast now that Dan shorts has stopped recording. So
1: thanks, Dan. We'll take that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, cool.
1: Nice. So um what yeah, as you're obviously kind of first time guest to the show for people that don't know you as well, um, what kind of main armies do you play? Um, Sigmar, kind of have you changed around? Do you have one army you're known for? Um, yeah, just give us give our listeners a little bit of a summary of you as an AOS player.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I play Stormcast mainly. Um, I started my hobby journey much the same as a lot of other people. I played as a kid when it was fantasy on square bases, you know, sort of 15, 16 years ago. I uh, got to high school, um, social pressures, I guess, or fear of whatever thought. I just sort of gave up because it seemed dumb. And I was more interested in like girls sports and socializing and drinking. So dropped the nerdy stuff. Although well, I still played World <laughs> of Warcraft religiously for like 10 years, but we we'll, won't go there. Um, and then when I got to adulthood, I sort of had a look back at the game because I was thinking, oh, I actually really enjoyed that game. And now that I'm older and don't give as much of a fuck about sort of social norms and pressures from other people, let's let's play um, Warhammer again. And this was just as sort of the end times was happening. Yep. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck's happening? And I went and talked to our local store manager and he was just like, nah, there's heaps of players, which was a total lie. So fuck that guy, first of all. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's been like
2: the fit. I played maybe like four games in the first year of playing. So, but whatever. He's a great salesman. Um, actually, he's a really nice guy. But <laughs> any, Anywho, I um, it, but he, he got me good. So I started playing Empire because I've always liked humans, and you know I'm pretty vanilla like that. Um, and then as the Order Battle Tome came out, the big old Order Battle Tome of like three, four years ago, which had Order War Scrolls.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and sort of split it up. The army wasn't doing sort of what I wanted it to do because it was a whole lot of sub factions. And I like an army where there's a wide range of units where, like, if I want to shoot, I can shoot. If I want to combat, I can. If I want a magic, if I want a war machine, whatever, you know, like, I want to have options available to me. I don't like the armies that have like eight models in it, like Silver Nef, for example, where you have like three heroes and like three different variants of Kernoff Hunters, and that's really it. Um, and Dryads, but hey ho. Uh, so I jumped on Stormcast because I thought Poster Boys, Space Marines, they're going to be releasing a new model every other week, which they more or less did for a couple of years. Uh, so I went balls deep into Stormcast, which I've absolutely loved. I've always loved, like, the Paladin sort of look, um, you know, like fighting for the light. I'm a sort of good guy player by heart. Um, and we've just gone from there. And over the last sort of three years or so, I've been pretty involved in Stormcast. Um more re- initially when i started playing i was more meta chasing so it was more like the the um oh my gosh what's he called help me out the banner guy who would drop like 15 paletors and like three away. yeah that's it and you'd do d6 mortal wounds when you dropped and it was just like not engaging at all <laughs> um i did run a vanguard wing at one point um and that's i've tried level, to on it yeah, I took it to a tournament and hadn't even played it. And after my first game, I just sort of wanted to drop from the tournament because it was just so... I just explained to my opponent why I won the game. Like, literally, it was just like, "Yo, I don't even have to do anything. I'm just going to, like, deploy over here and win. And he was like, oh, that sucks. I'm like, guess it does. But um, so so the first 12 months or so of playing Stormcast, I was a bit of a meta chaser. Uh, but these days, uh, for about the last 18 months or so, I've been playing um, a variant of Shootcast, which is sort of now becoming more popular. Um, I wouldn't say I coined it, but I'd say it would be like more of one of the OGs, possibly, where um, I've been doing shit with long strokes and more specifically relictors with translocation and Aetherwing wing birds ever since sort of AOS 2 dropped and they changed the, the rulings on the Aetherwings wings to interrupt charges and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that's where I've been at. And I've got a core army which I recently brought and painted for a tournament. And pretty much I just want to run Scarbrane at you and do 16 mortal wounds at a time and then double pile them with Reapers. <laughs> it's just like the best fun. It's so much fun.
3: Um,
2: it's, it's just so good. Uh, but the army's glass and it wins It wins hard or it loses hard. So that's something I need to remember, which is not really my style. But um, it's just a lot of fun and it's great seeing the shock on people's faces when you're like, yeah, 16 mortal wounds. And they're like, what? And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll roll the dice. Oh, actually, it's it's um 24 model wins because i popped the six and they're like holy fuck and i'm like yeah so you sure about
4: that? <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's great written right. it's, bit, it's written it's right, right here great. man
2: <laughs> yeah so i got a corn army that's sort of like my fuck around army it's like my golf like i do it for a bit of fun every now and then and yeah. then i've got my stormcast army which is like my more competitive serious army um which yeah. i try to do well at the game with i guess so yeah stormcast player corn bit on the side
0: yeah nice well you certainly did very well with it at um sydney gt do we want to uh give away spoilers chris Uh,
1: (laughs) yeah i mean everyone probably knows already that and obviously it's why one of the reasons well it's not the only reason he's just a nice guy but the main reason obviously we've got sean on is uh because you did win sydney gt the other weekend so um yeah congrats on that obviously with your stormcast shootcast um so yeah we thought we'd get you on to uh talk through your games as usual but um also just to kind of hear your perspective of the whole weekend really the the traveling the socials um all that stuff to hear i guess the opinion of someone an outsider to the aussie scene um attending a big aussie tournament so um yeah should be good but should we uh do a little hobby progress update first and then we'll crack into the meat of it that is sydney gt
0: yeah sure well, uh, Sean, you go first. You're the you're our guest. So, what do you mean? What's been going on with your um hobby lately since GT? Um,
2: my hobby's been like sleeping ever since I got back from Sydney GT. Yeah, uh, I've done I've done very little hobby. I actually did a um so Sydney GT was two weekends ago now, right? And I did a meeting engagement tournament this last Saturday, just a one day four game sort of thing. Um, and I took my corn for that, and just because again, it's just like my fun fuck around army. And it was good fun. Um, I don't think I've painted or built anything since Sydney. So, sorry, I can't really contribute to that, but I have played four games of meeting engagement, which is a completely different game, which took me four games to realize how the scoring work properly. So yeah, right. um, well, I will I, say I've it's, it's good fun. I
0: still haven't played a game of meeting engagements yet. So, yeah, how's it go? Is a is, um, good good mode of play? From yeah, it's...
2: To- it's I mean it's four rounds, which is sort of foreign to me because I my traditionally I normally win games late. Like I concede board space to remove models and then sort of take the board and sort of round three, four, five. But in media engagement, you've only got four rounds and your army isn't fully on the board until the end of the second battle round. Uh, so it's it's it was really different for me to play, but it was just fun. I just ran a couple of bloodfirsters of rage and just fished for them sixes and, and lived and died on the sixes. So it was good fun. It was more just a, a day out with the lads, really. You know, like it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't anything serious. Um, I don't even know where I came. I came middle of the pack. I went like one and three as well, but I got all my secondaries and stuff. So, um, yeah. and got minor losses, and that's the other thing. You have to win by so many points to get a major win as well. So that's it's okay. pretty different. And scoring something at the end of the battle round. So um, yeah. it was a good sort of stress relief after the previous weekend. But yeah, hobby wise, sorry lads, I don't have anything um
1: that, that's
2: hobby that, that, that counts
1: yeah yeah right, but you, and... had to, you had to get Sorry? a lot done you had to get a lot done for sydney gt didn't you so um yeah, yeah did, I you want to talk about how sure. much it, yeah what did you have to do hobby wise to get your sydney gt army ready then
2: oh i had to build 10 vanguard hunters i had to paint 20 vanguard hunters I had to build and paint a Night zeros Xeros. I had to build and paint three long strokes. I had to build and paint three wings because I broke some of my other birds. Uh, and then I had to touch up a bunch of, of heroes and so on. Um, so there was a lot of painting to be done, but I'm a sort of odd hobbyist. I don't know how people normally hobby, but if I don't in my mind have sort of three or four hours to do solid hobby, I just build barriers to like I set myself up to fail, you know, like I'll sit down at my desk on a, like a Monday night, so to say at seven o'clock and I'll be like, if I get interrupted once I'm done, I'm out, you know, and then my son will walk and be like, Hey dad, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh shit. You know, there we go. <laughs> you know? So what I've really taken to is like Saturday, Sunday hobby where I can get like a solid five, six hours in. And that's yeah. normally where I get all my hobby done now, which I'm really loving, um, especially with like in between summer and winter sports at the moment. So it's really cool. Uh, so, yeah, I had to build and paint quite a bit of stuff. Um, I mean, luckily, I'm hallowed night, so I just spray it sort of lead voucher. I, I wash it, and then from there, I um, highlight it up and, and paint the other base colors onto it and do it bases. My bases aren't too extreme. It's just sort of steel and mud and some flock and some um, army-painted tufts, which I really love. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's. I'm not a huge hobbyist, but there was stuff to get there painted. Yeah. Um, Paint-wise at Sydney, I think I got 22 or 23 points. I can't recall exactly. I did harass Liam about it at the end, as I was stressing, but I can talk about that later. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I I didn't max, which I sort of expected not to. And the army isn't – I painted my corn army in like two weeks with contrast, and it was super easy, and I don't want to do that with my Stormcast because my Stormcast is painted better than my corn for myself anyway. So I'm not an amazing painter, but for me it's a better – Paint, so I don't want to get lazy on it, but yeah, I, I had to paint a bunch of stuff and get it ready. But that's fine, that's just part of the tournament grind. If it wasn't for tournaments, I probably wouldn't paint at all, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's the I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, Chris, what have you been um, up to?
1: Um, well, yeah, I mean, as listeners know, I've been plugging away at the Seraphon to get them finished, so um, yeah, managed to smash them out. Um, Dan Bruel was round who's staying at mine that weekend so we could just head to the event um together easier so he was uh around mine on the friday night um so we were kind of <laughs> he was finishing off his terrain and then uh i was trying to paint through as much of my extra summoning pool i wanted as possible and he gave me a hand to i was going to stop but then i was like oh, i really kind of want to get the pterodons or rippers done and then actually we smashed them out in like half an hour um with the contrast but chose <laughs> colors that i was actually really happy with how they look so they're super easy um, which was cool. And um yeah, got it all done. I think we finished about one AM probably. Um, but yeah, got the whole army done. And given that I was painting basically three and a half thousand points instead of two and a half thousand because of all the summoning, it was um yeah. quite a big task. But I didn't want to drop kind of the level um across the models and I was happy I painted every single eye with pupils on every single model I painted. So um, I was pretty happy with the army, even though it's contrasted. It it looks really nice. Um, Like I wanted to display it. So I got a black cloth and became a black cloth wanker so that I could display it on the Saturday. Um, And yeah, people were complimentary about how it looked and I was really happy. So um, yeah, got all that done. And then I've been doing a little bit of hobby since um, like currently, which is basically just building up the rest of my, um, seraphon models that i hadn't done for the tournament so i've built up the other 15 temple guard or saurus guard um i've just built well i say built basically clipped off sprue and filed the uh 15 chameleon skinks i've got and a skink priest um and i'm just building up some more pterodons so um yeah that's all my hobbies
0: right. just so I continue on uh, with the seraphon for a bit
1: Keep it yeah, I wanna, yeah i want to i want to i've still got loads more like the like six rippers six pterodons the carnosaurs um more yeah. guard as i say the chameleon skinks um so there's still loads of different builds i can do with the army so um yeah, yeah just kind of gonna build on that stuff and i need to either buy an Astrolith bearer or convert one out of something i'll probably just buy him um to be honest but uh yeah i want to start doing some other lists that don't use like all the engines and the snake basties and just try other stuff because i yeah. think I think the army has, the army's got a really big range and it can actually um, play very, very differently. They've got loads of really good battalions. So um, yeah, I kind of, I was going to park it and start painting the gash and do other stuff for Kankon, but I'm like, the amount of effort and time I've just spent into painting up so much of this army and I still have a lot of models. I actually am enthused for painting at the moment. So I kind of want to just keep going and get literally my entire collection built and painted and done so I can yes. do any any list, anything I want, and be like, this is an entire army I have, and it's all built and all done. So, um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. kind of what yeah. I'm plugging away at. Um, what about you, bud?
0: Um, yeah, like the usual like uh, post, um, post-tournament post kind of lull. But, uh, yeah, I have was agonizing over uh, what list I'm going to take to uh, Runex. So I'm in a team with... Um, called the Wet Pallet Warriors uh, with uh, Clint, Travis, and Brent. So we're traveling up, uh, not this weekend, weekend after. And this submission was uh, like last Friday, so a time of recording. So I, I wrote like a list for every legion. Um, I was thinking about taking a, like a 2,000-point version of my Sydney GT list, which was like Nagash and Neferatu, Mongol and some um, archive. Um, so I was thinking maybe take a, a lesser version of that. And I was like, but I need, I want the six more guys. So I just, you know, you can go through list agonizing. I don't know if you guys ever <laughs> experienced that as well, but, um, but yeah, I I looked at uh, the Australian match play rankings and i had looked through all the tournaments i would played this year. And I realized I'd played every Legion at every tournament. Uh, I played, I played host twice, like, but uh, I thought, well, I haven't played Nighthaunt this year and i haven't played it since cancon last year so um that was before they got their new book and everything so um i thought i'd bring the bring the night horn out so i wrote a 2000 point night horn list with what i've got um and with um some extra like characters that i've painted since then but um yeah so i've got that list sorted submitted all that last week and now i've just got one model to paint which is the uh, the Guardian of Souls with Mortality Glass. So I know he doesn't have a War Scroll anymore. He's no longer match play, play legal, but I'm just going to run him as a, um, a normal Guardian of Souls with Nightmare Lantern. So, yeah, just been working on him. I think it's just a really cool model. He'll be the General of my army. <laughs> so, yeah, just been working on him this week, and that's been pretty much it, just list writing, sort of psyching up for Runax and getting the Guardian of Souls done. But, um, yeah, that, that's me.
1: Yeah, sweet it's uh it's cool uh and yeah when you you said that the uh you kind of had that realization that you'd played all of the legions apart from nighthorn and you were like actually i'm just gonna do tournaments with every single legion and i was like actually yeah that's pretty cool like yeah. um, well it, i've already cool got the
0: um i'm thinking i'm i'm pretty sure i'm gonna take them to cancon like i was thinking i'd take nagash to, Can- to cancon and stuff but um i've uh I've gotten in like you know how you get that enthusiasm, like you were saying you've got your painting enthusiasm happening, but just I uh, just got that real sort of fresh sort of enthusiasm for Nighthaunt. Like it's a like like I've been playing them for ages, but like not actually as their as the allegiance. So I've uh yeah, I've I've already bought a a black coach. I've got Lady Alinda. I've got Curtis Valentian. Um yeah, so I've, got, I've already got those models and I was planning on painting them one day. So I think uh, before I dive into a Cities of Sigmar army, which is sort of in the, the back burner of my mind, I think that'll be my next sort of, if I ever leave uh, death, I will go and do a do a city. Um, but I was thinking about doing that next year after CanCon, but uh, we'll see how we go with Nighthorn. <laughs> so it'll be, yeah, I'll be painting up a storm with Nighthaunt from now until CanCon and I'll take them to CanCon and see how we go, have some fun throwing around and Bring around some um, spirit hosts and rolling some tens. <laughs> See how we go.
1: Yeah, sweet. Okay, yeah. well, should we, should we head into the main topic for this evening, which is Sydney GT? Um, Should we just do a quick kind of recap of the lists we took um, and just do a bit of a, a rundown on the lists? Um, and then we can maybe take a quick break and then we'll kind of go into the the games and, and everything like that. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right, Sean, as a guest, do you want to go through your list?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully I've brought myself off mute. So <laughs> we'll talk about my list. So I got <laughs> I got Stormcast Eternals, as sort of alluded to earlier. Uh, so I talk, Anvils of Howden Hammond. So let me start that again. Anvils of Howden Hammond. Jesus, words are hard. Um, which essentially means I can make a unit Um, shoot in the hero phase as if it were a shooting phase um, or attack in the hero phase as if it were the combat phase which you never ever do you always do shooting Um, so that's one of the bases for the list Um, I've got two battalions which form part of the big mega battalion which essentially is all the vanguard stuff um, in the book so I'll go for the list which is a lord aquila who is a general, i got a note zephyros, um who has a luminary rod. So that's a, like at any point in the game, because it's not specific, just pick a point, nine inches away. You do like a one millimeter wide line. Every, every unit within that nine inches friend or foe takes different mortal wounds. Um, so it's cool. Cause you can sort of fuck with sequencing where it's like your opponent's charge phase or combat phase or whatever. You can do some janky stuff. Uh, I got knight of zeros with lantern of the tempest, which is, uh, so i got four artifacts. So that's why I'm explaining the artifacts and some these you might've n- never heard of. Um, which means re-roll sixes to hit in the shooting phase if anyone's targeted wholly within 12 it is not a of so it's kind of good for the counter-shooting play. Um, and I played a change host with all the horrors in the world, so it was actually really handy in that instance, especially those brims that are hidden on, like, fives, and then they have to re-roll sixes. It's, it's great. Uh, got another Knight of Zeros. So he's not carrying anything, and I've got a Lord Relictor who has um, translocation because teleports are awesome. And he's also the broach holder, so 5 up, get a CP back every time I spend it. I got 5, sorry, not 5, 4 units of 5 Vanguard Hunters, uh, which is just my Cortex. I got 3 units of 3 Aether Wings, so 9 birds in total. I got 3 units of, sorry, a unit of 3 Vanguard Paladors with javelins because they had to be there because of battalions. An meat and potatoes of the list is 6 Vanguard Raptors with long strikes, another uh, unit of 3, another unit free. 3. And then the free battalions is the Angelo's Conclave, which I believe off the top of my head is the Hunters and the Palladors in there. And what that battalion lets you do is when the Vanguard Palladors do their ride, the Winds a which for people that don't know, is you pick a point in the battlefield and you move 66 inches in that direction, ignoring terrain and models, and you can't charge after that. Uh, the battalion makes it a 96 instead of 66, so that's pretty sweet. Um you think 96, wow, that's amazing. Honestly, I think I must have rolled under 30 about four or five times. I did pop out like a 44-inch move at one point, so that was pretty amazing. Um, but it's real swingy when you're in the mercy of dice. The cool combo is that the Zephyrus can jump with him. So in like Relocation Orb, they just bounce around the board together. And because the night Zephyrus has an artifact, she's counting as 20 each time um so that's that's really awesome or you bounce her across the board with them then she drops her luminary rod and you just sort of snipe off a, a hero that's already hurt or try pick off some key targets um then you've got the jessica conclave which i believe off the top of my head is i can't remember which battalion goes to which that's why i'm saying i believe it is <laughs> but these are the benefits of battalions is the three for wings three units of AFA wings sorry and the three units of uh, of the vanguard raptors and the benefit of this battalion is amazing. What it means is that um, whenever a unit of long strikes is shooting at a target that is within eighteen inches of the birds, they get to reroll once. So normally you'd spend a command point to get that, or you'd have knight of zeros on the board. However, if you've got three units of birds and it's eighteen inches from all directions around that bird from that unit of birds, it means each unit has a, a 36 inch bubble plus a couple of extra inches because obviously their bases can go out in different directions, uh, which is, is really really good <laughs> so good uh, effectively it means the whole board whenever you're shooting you're re-rolling once um and then the last battalion is the vanguard auxiliary chamber which is the big mega battalion which everything goes into plus the heroes and what it does the big the big thing about this is every unit in the battalion it and the heroes get plus one range attack uh profile so that means my Vanguard Hunters with their Bolt on Pistols go from two attacks to three attacks. The Palladors with their Javelins go from one attack to two attacks. But more importantly, my Long strokes go from one attack to two attacks. So I've got 12 Long Strikes with that Battalion. That now means they're putting out the equivalent of 24 shots, which is the same as, um, you know, just you, you double the unit size. So you've got 12 guys, but actually it's 24. Um, and when it gets real dirty is you've got held the hammer. So each of those units can shoot again in the hero phase. So essentially, the short of it, without going on about it too much, is that 12 long strikes turn into 48 long strikes a turn, assuming that you have the command points to do it. Uh, So every unit has, every model has four times the output in this battalion. Uh, It's a dirty battalion, I'm I'm not going to lie. And I brought a CP for 50 points as well, because the list is very CP hungry. So the crux of the list is that I want to put birds in front of you for when you try to charge me and also for my rerolls to one. So my birds can interrupt your charges and shield off. My Queller will then bounce my long strokes around the board and my Relictor will also teleport um, if I can roll a free up for that turn. So that's two teleports a turn moving around with an effective range in the hero phase of 24 inches and then in the shooting phase 30 inches. So it allows me to control the board and apply a lot of pressure through small units very easily um, and it also allows me to move away from my enemy's threats so if there's a double turn coming up i can literally put my stuff 30 inches away which is i mean in age of sigma stuff moves very far or very short you know if i was playing a fire slayer's army they wouldn't get to me in three or four turns at 30 inches but if i'm playing like a def army or an idnf army they'll get to me in a turn and a two turns a turn maybe depending on what it is, you know, if they've got double moves and so on and so forth. Um, So really it allows me to sort of tactically retreat over the course of a game and shoot stuff off from range while minimizing my exposure to my opponent's threats. Because whatever they're going to shoot, they normally kill. But if they don't, then I've got 30 inches between me and my opponent, especially if there's a priority roll coming up and they could win a double turn as well. So it allows me to put pressure on the board where I want because I've got a very reliable teleport, and I've also got a free up reload, uh, free up teleport. And, yeah, it, it's just spacing the movement. Most of my opponents were like, your list actually moves real fast, and it, it does. A lot of people just think it's a static gun line. It, it actually isn't. It's, it's very mobile. Um, and it has the output of a nasty combat army, but I'm doing it at range because the long strike set on 2s reroll ones, wind on threes, flat 2 damage, Ren 2. So, it's, yeah. It's it's, <laughs> it's a lot of output at range, and a lot of people still aren't used to range. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know if there's anything I missed about the list, but essentially the Aether Wings, you know, charge you, interrupt, the long strikes shoot you off the heroes that to support the long strikes. If I lose the long strikes, I lose the game. I, because I've got no combat output in the army. I have I guess some bodies for a Stormcast list, but, yeah, it's support heroes and long strokes and birds, and that's it, really.
0: The birds have got, like, a funky little move in the charge phase, don't they? They can, you can, they can take the charge and just retreat out of it or something, can't they?
2: Yeah, so I yeah. sort of mentioned this, but I didn't explain it, and I probably should, because a lot of people still don't know about this, and um, I don't know why more Stormcast players don't use it, but the Aether Wings have an ability on their War Scroll that activates at the start of my opponent's charge phase. Um, so there's not a lot of starter charge phase stuff that I'm aware of. I mean, Slanish has a, like, you know, in the charge phase, say Locusty or whatever, or at the end of it, that's fine. But at the start of my opponent's charge phase, as long as my Aether Wings are wholly within 18 inches of any unit of Vanguard Raptors, they can make a 2d6 move. And now it's not a normal move, it's just a move. And by definition of rules, move you can go anywhere. You can go in and out of combat. You can put someone, you know, more than a half inch away. So quite often I would move them just within three to stop people from charging because now they're within three inches and they can't charge. But then when they piled in, they had to pile into those birds. And normally I'd sort of string them out the side. I, I can't do this with my I'm doing all these hand movements. And it's really hard to paint a picture. <laughs> but assume that there's a unit in front of you of, say, like 20 blood letters. And you've got three unit, you got a unit three birds like four inches away from them, and you roll, say a seven or an eight. I'd put them off off the side, and that way the opponent has to pile in towards those birds instead of yep. towards whatever's behind the birds because yep. the birds are so closer. And I wouldn't put the birds in base to base because that's just a rookie error because that way they're piling in away from my stuff as well. So they get a two d six move, which is just a move. It's not a normal move. If you have, make a normal move, then you're confined by the rules of a normal move which is you can't move within 3 inches of your opponent you know, you can't, etc etc, so, so that's what's good about them, is essentially they're a meat shield to stop my opponent charging for 50 points, the birds have 2 wounds apiece, no armor save, bravery 6, they're going to die, it's fine, it buys me a turn of not getting attacked in combat, which is yeah. what I'm wanting um, and the restriction is they have to stay holy of an 18 at a long strikes when they complete that move as well Okay. So there is a bit of measurement and moving around, but it's pretty good. Previously in AOS one and the old Stormcast book, they had to move closer to the long strikes, so they had to fall back into the long strikes, and they couldn't mm-hmm. go into combat with the opponent. But um, but now they can, so yay me! It's my only activation war thing I have.
0: It's pretty good though. Like being able to stop people from charging, it's pretty. That's that's super strong. It's good. Oh, I've, amazing. I played against them before. Oh like, yeah, they are pretty. Yeah, they they're good. Going old going school well.
2: fanatics, just think about old school fanatics where they'd pop out and charge you and you'd be like, oh goddamn grots, you know um, but the birds don't hurt at all Like they're not going to hurt you, they're just there to stop you for a turn yeah. um, they can retreat and charge as well but you're never getting them in combat unless it's to do this um, and also the good thing about that this rule means they can move in every turn so they can move 10 times a game if they survive for the whole game which is crazy, because even if they're not near a combat, they can jump onto objectives, they can fall back onto objectives, they can do all that sort of stuff, which is which is great. So, as long as you're sort of constantly thinking about the next turn and using this as a free move, if you're not using it to counter block, you know, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to teleport my long strikes over to this side of the board, I'm going to give my birds an extra 2d6 and move to get over that side of the board, you know, so they can assist me, then it's great, but 2d6 is super swingy. You know, sometimes you roll a two or three or four, sometimes you roll a 10 or 11. Um, yeah, it's they're, they're really good. They're people are slowly waking up to them, but they're amazing. Um, and every songcast list, I think, should have them. They just need the, the Vanguard Raptors to work. That's that's uh, the condition of their ability. Yeah, cool. Chris, what about
0: your list? Yeah, tell, tell, tell us um, about the um, Skittleskinks.
1: <laughs> I've been through mine before, I think, so I'll be fairly quick. But, yeah, so I was taking the Seraphon. Um, had the Sland Star Master as the general, um, which, to be honest, I think should always be the case in Seraphon. Um, great rememberer for double teleport traits. So I could teleport two units a turn. Um, Engine of the Gods with a Prism of a Mintok, which is just one of the Seraphon artifacts. It's a once per game. Uh, start my movement phase lets me do either, like well, from between one and D6 Mortal Wounds. To something within 12 which is cool with the teleport because I can guarantee a teleport nine away and then hit something to start the movement phase 12 so if there was ever like a hero or something with one or two wounds left I could just teleport it in the hopes so that I could snipe it off um, but most of the time didn't it's just useful to have the artifact on one of the engines like that that I could keep back it gives me another thing I could teleport to try and help with bodies for relocation orb or something like that that counts as 20. Um, Saurus Eternity Warden with Ignax scales, um, which gives him a four up mortal wound save. He's basically there just to keep the slan alive, um, and also because he's needed for the battalion I take. Um, But basically any time he's within two of the slan, and the slan suffers an unsaved wound, On a two up, it transfers to the Eternity Warden and it turns into a mortal wound, which is why giving him Ignax scales is awesome because you then get a four up ward save against that. Um, So you can just really keep that slant alive and also the Eternity Warden. Um, Then I've got another engine of the gods and then two Skink Priests with trappings, which means that their prayer works on all Seraphon units within eight instead of one. Um, And that prayer is amazing. It's reroll, saves, runs and charges. Um, until my next hero phase so having that around the bastilladons or basically the whole army i've got two chances on a four up to make everything within an eight inch bubble in my hero phase re-roll save rolls mainly um but also the reroll charges is really clutch when you teleport stuff um you don't need to teleport a hero with it if you've got that prayer off on them you've automatically got a reroll built in which is nice um and then skink star priest whose job was basically just to try and summon cogs for the slant so that he could rewind time to give up an extra spell for more summoning points. Um, but then in future turns, I would use that. Um, he had inferno blades because Anthony had the spell laws on. So I would use that to try and get inferno blades on, on a unit like ripper or something. If I summon them with the engines, um, because rippers at damage two would be pretty nice, but I don't think I actually did it all weekend, to be honest. Um, most of the time, if I got them off, I teleported them and used them. So uh, they didn't get the spell on them because I tried cogs first turn. Um, but then my battle line's three units of five Soros Guard um, just to fill out the Eternal Star Host, Um Battalion and their battle line. Um, but they're amazing in that battalion with the Eternity Warden. Basically, while they're within 10 of him, um, they've got plus two to their save and they naturally ignore Rend 1. So they're two up, ignore Rend 1. Um, it, so if any of my prayers go off, two up, rerollable save, ignoring Rend 1 on your battle line units is really nice. And they also become D3 damage if they don't move or charge that turn. So whenever people would charge me they're D3 damage and they can actually put out quite a bit of hurt that people don't expect if they can survive. But they only have one wound each and no mortal wound save, so mortals really does them in. Um, and they were still only three units of five, so it was hard to cover much space with them because I couldn't tail them out. Um, and then just ten skinks for my fourth battle line unit. And then three Bastillodons with Arcs of Sotek, so the snakes, which were amazing all weekend. They were definitely the best thing in the list. Um All weekend they did what I hoped they would. Um, Some games they just tanked ridiculously um, and also killed stuff. Um, So they were great. And then just Chronomatic Cogs, as I mentioned, for generally rewinding time. Um, But actually I was finding a lot of my games I'd rewind time probably up to turn three and then turn four or five. I'd speed it forward when I needed to make charges onto objectives just with Skinks or something. Um, I'd just speed it forward after a teleport, so I needed like a seven with a reroll. Uh, It made it much more reliable. Um. But yeah, that's that's my list. Really, just try and summon stuff with the engines and the slan. Um, and have a pretty defensive bunker. Push the bastilladons at people. Um, and hope my prayers go off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well. Um. I took <clears throat> Grand Host Nagash. Um. From Haish or Shaish. <laughs> um. So yeah Nagash, I took him as the general. neferata and a can with the brooch um, six Morgas archai and three times five wolves and a mongol and it took the spell portal as well. so that was 2500 on the nose with a command point as well um yeah it was just in a gash with a spell portal and archai and neferata like <laughs> it was uh, and the mongol obviously like but it was just um, I went the whole idea, and I've, I've, I've mentioned it before in previous um, episodes, but it's just basically just have a low model low model count army w- with the object of being able to finish these 2,500 point games and, in time. So I thought I'll just take a, a list like this. It's got some debuffs going with Neferada and the uh, the Mongol overlap. And um, obviously, Nagash making everything that much better with three or ones to hit um, and to saves and no battle shock across the army. I've uh, got Canwraith carrying the brooch and yeah, the archive were just fucking amazing. Like they would, you know, they had plus one attack. Uh, so it was four attacks each, uh, threes, three roll ones, threes to wound two minus two Ren doing three damage a piece. And they were just, just slaughtering everything. And the dogs were able to just sort of respond to, um, to flank threats or just to kind of deal with whatever they go, wherever they needed to go. Like they, it's dogs are always pretty resilient for what they are. And, um, yeah, the Mongol, because he's an ally, wasn't benefiting from the death save. So I could could, could could just like send him off and just to do little missions on his own and wouldn't have to babysit him or worry about him. And he was still, um, would go over and just, he's got his mortal wound output. Um, and yeah, that minus one to hit bubble. So all in all, like I wasn't really expecting the list to do that, that great. But, um, in the lead up to Sydney GT, with my practice games and, on day one as we'll talk about in um our games soon but yeah it did a lot better than i thought it would and i was really happy with it had a lot of fun with it it's um yeah the hand of dusting things off and all that sort of thing and yeah it was great so yeah that's my list for cgt
2: james did you i just want to ask you something quickly mate if i may did you find that you um caught a lot of people off or maybe not caught a lot of people off people weren't aware of sort of some of what your army did because I'm looking at the mongol and I'm thinking, shit, that was the big bad of like 2016, 2017. Yeah. Where yeah. people were running like double mongol and so on. And they were very good. Like 400 points, whatever it was. Yeah. And yeah. then the, the Morgas gas as well, which I think are like really good units. And they're like, traditionally in my mind, they're sort of old school, heavy elite units from, you know, back in sort of the fantasy rank and flank days, like the monstrous infantry units. Yeah. And the, the consistent Ren 2 flat 3 damage is just amazing. Did people sort of underestimate those units, or did you find that you got a lot of, like, mileage out of those units, or, or not at all? Am I just talking out my ass? Um, like?
0: No, no, I got um I got a lot of mileage out of the Archive. Uh, there's only, I think, only a couple of games over the weekend where they actually were taken off the board, because, um, like, I'd sort of... I think you have to take them at, at 6 to really make them work properly and in Grand Host for that extra attack, just to... and you know, with, with Nagash to make them just that bit more reliable. Cause like, if you don't take them in host, it's only three attacks each. And then like, you know, it's if you're not buffing them in any way, um, like you do roll a lot of ones and twos. <laughs> so like every attack counts. So it, like the more you have, the more buffs you can get on them, the better they get. So I think they were just optimized, um, as far as you could take them in a grand host with Nagash, um, I think they, it would be better if you had the uh, the Coven Throne with the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, so if you, if you didn't want to take Nagash, take the Coven Throne and then throw her command trait onto them, which is the real ones to hit, to wound, and to save. Mm-hmm. So just making them that much better. But, yeah, like... They they were fantastic. Like um, especially in my game against Dan, like I was able to use his spell Righteous Smiting, which affects um, reanimate units. So Nagash just put that on them, and they had exploding sixes. Then were doing extra attacks, so they yeah. were just like, just doing a monstrous amount of damage. Um, but yeah, like I was really happy with how the list performed. I think day two, will we'll talk about it later. But um, yeah, I was yeah they did. I did get a lot more mileage out of them than what I thought I would because up until that tournament like i've been running them in twos and they just get shot off because they are a big threat people know yeah. that there's a big scary monster they're monstrous infantry I, just, I have to get rid of that so they'll they do get targeted and they do get taken off before you can really get to grips um with the enemy so having like even a unit of four like by the time you get across the board you might only have like one left or maybe two sort of thing and like one and two is still like super effective but i found that having the six like by the time they get across the board there's I might've lost one or two um, or I might have three left sort of thing. And they're still able just to really pack the punch and just clear away hordes, clear anything off objectives and take it, you know, take objectives. And they were, cause they got such large bases, like it is a low model count army, but it's with big bases. So it doesn't really matter how many models you've got in a unit. If you've got big bases, you can still block out a large um, footprint on the battlefield. So you can block other, um, like hordes from getting onto like into range of those and taking them off you. So, it kind of, it kind of worked in a really cool way, which I didn't really um, expect because I wasn't expecting this list to do well against horde um, armies, and they were the, those were the armies that they did really well against. So, yeah.
2: And and they're pretty resilient as well because they're six wounds a piece, aren't they?
0: Yeah, six wounds a piece. So you have to six say, wounds
2: before they start dropping efficiency as well. Yeah. Which is which is pretty good. Um, I mean, if you come out with a gun line, which is sort of what you're alluding to with the whole shooting nonsense, then, yeah, that's sort of tough shit. But I guess, yeah. that's, I guess that's any sort of gun mm-hmm. line army that you play against. But um, I think they're really underrated, but I just think they're a lot of points at a 2,000-point game. So I think it's really cool yeah. that you've gone and taken six of them yeah. at 2,500, because I, I think they're really cool. And if I was playing Def, I'd probably want a bunch of these in them because I like elite hard units and so on. But yeah. If people don't have tools to deal with them and i just love the consistent free damage it's just so good
3: yeah
1: because so yeah, even if I you can, get one or two through well, three or four through, i should say you're still yeah. doing a lot of damage man a lot of damage yeah, I, can, I can see them potentially dropping or getting even better as well given that we know they're going to be part of the new um bone reapers book so um, yeah, yeah time, no yeah. i think i think they're really cool yeah, well, I'd say they're going formed- to get
2: synergy pieces in there, is what they'll probably get. They'll get buffs, they'll probably stay at the same points. Because they've already changed a like, lot, haven't they? They've gone from like dual welding to mortal wound save to whatever you want sort of thing. Eh?
0: Well, they've also got that, they've got a minus one to a bravery six inch bubble around the unit as well, which um, just adds that little bit extra to them. Um, I was casting Neferata's Dark Mist spell on them as, as well, so I was making them ignore Rend. So they were, in Miami, they were four up re-roll ones, ignoring Rend, um, and re yeah, what else was it? <laughs> plus one attack, <laughs> pretty much. And, yeah, the, the five up mortal wound save, all that sort of thing. So they're just, yeah, they're, they're a solid unit. I think they'll, like, Yeah. they'll make they'll make a, yeah, like as Chris alluded to, like with the Bone Reapers, um, probably start seeing a lot more of them around maybe. We'll see.
2: Yeah. Sounds like a Death Star unit when you put a that many buffs on them. In all,
0: yeah. Honestly. But yeah, no, that's that was my list. i had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> and it did a lot better than I thought it would. So I was on this high after day one on three wins. I'm like, I haven't done this before. <laughs> I'm in unch- uncharted territory. So <laughs> but uh yeah, that's good. Uh should we take a little just a quick little break there, guys, and then we'll come back and we'll talk uh we'll talk tournament games and all
1: that sort of stuff. Sounds good to me. Yeah, man. Alrighty. Easy. We're back from the break, so let's talk about the amazing weekend that was Sydney GT. Um, Sean, do you want to kick off your first game? Just uh, you can give us more of a detailed rundown if you like, and then uh, me and James, I think, will just give highlights so that we don't take 10,000 years to get this episode. <laughs>
2: yeah, now. I, I want to hear about you guys' games as well. Did, did you want me to go one to three, or do you just want me to do one at a time?
1: Uh, uh we'll just do one, 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 and then that way because the realmscape features stay this like they change each game so if we just do one 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 it's probably easiest
2: yeah and i hear your realmscape feature was big in game one but i never paid attention to them (laughs) it's a little tease for the listeners uh so yeah round one so um i wanted to turn up to round one and play like i just wanted to club a seal in all honesty and i I don't mean a seal as in a person i just meant like an easy combat army that was going to run at me but that wasn't the case, whereas I got paired up with a change host from Ty Swan, I think it was. Um, I think it's his last name. Ty is his first name. He's a lovely man. Fantastic game. Um, so he came up with his change host, which had, was just like your change host plus Gaunt Summoner, so it was a two-drop list like mine. And the roll-off for choosing sides was important because obviously they got to dictate who went first and so on. So I, I won the roll-off. Um, also, there was pretty poor terrain on the board. So Ty had nowhere to hide, and he was really hoping for some overgrown, which never eventuated. So sorry, Ty. Um, I deployed first. I went first. Um, we're playing Star Strike, so it's twelve-inch deployments. Uh, so I put all my vanguard. I put all my long strikes in the sky, and I drop him in the first turn. And the objective of the game is because he has. Uh, I think he had four units of. 10 pink horrors and i didn't want to kill the horrors because that recycles bodies which is a pain in the ass of star strike i want to kill the heroes so i drop them down at the end of my movement phase so i'm halving my shooting so i'm only i'm only getting 24 shots guys so jesus christ you know bear with me a moment tears (laughs) for me 24 shots jesus i don't know how i rough that one um and i put him sort of as far away as I can in the middle of the board with some birds in front of him and some poor hunters in front of him who were not long for this world. And the unit of six just pointed at his Lord of Change who was banned smack in the middle of the board and just took him off in one go, which um, was so good for me, but not so good for Ty. Uh, the second unit shot his um, scribes and this is where I made a mistake because my plan going into it was killed a Lord of Change immediately, stops the Change host, and then killed the heroes. And I just got two, like unhappy and i deployed everyone in range of uh, everyone in range of the lord of change and i only by chance deployed another unit in range of um some heroes and because i didn't even know where his heroes were i was just like lord of change is going to die it's going to happen and the first unit killed him so that was like me straying from the objective so to say um second unit shot off oh, blue scribes on disc i want to say i'm not too sure it was another Zench hero Third unit didn't shoot at all because I didn't want to recycle the horrors. I uh, went to him, and then he immediately, <laughs> which was a great move on his butt, immediately um, summoned up Geminids and then plowed them all through my long strokes and made them all minus one attack, which was just a great counter play. And I was just like, tight, it. it's a great move. Um, and then we roll off the priority. I win the priority. The first objective drops in the middle, sort of on my side favoring. And essentially the rest of the game was me making sort of a tactical retreat into one side of the corner. I just happened to pick one side of the corner because at this point I'm thinking he's on for a double turn. I'm going to put my long strikes here. They're going to shoot at his screamers. They're going to take off the screamers. And then if he gets a double turn, he's not going to get in range. Cause what I'm more worried about is his 18 inch kill box or his spells because he has four units of horror. So he has four spell casters and he has his gone summoner and he summons the bell and all this other shit. Um, So I just, like, picked the side of the board.
0: Fucking Zinch.
2: Yeah. He he did one really cool thing, whereas he had some... I think it was a a horror on disc hero, and he summoned palisades, literally put it in the corner of the board, so the palisade is touching both ends of the board, and then ran that hero behind the palisade, so I couldn't see it, and I'd have to jump over the palisades to get to him, which you can't do unless you fly, and then that hero was pretty much just a submarine battery because he was getting his fate points and he was just like summoning from that and then chained summoning out, which was a great move on his part. Unfortunately from her, for him, it was the opposite side of where the objectives were. Um, so I just picked one side of the board and just relocated my army there, and by chance, that's where the objectives dropped, and then we were just... The, the turn order stayed natural, so I went, he went, I went, he went. And then it came down to, can one of us um, decline the other one points for scoring? And what happened in turn four is that he went second in turn four, and he was unable to score the turn four objective. So it meant I was four points up. He didn't want a double turn, and he he took the double turn, and he was unable to score um, the objective again. So essentially at the end of the game, I was nine points up or so. Um, So it was a great game. There's a lot of movement. Um, I got lucky as to where it dropped. It was it was definitely a hard match in and first thing in the morning, which is not what I was wanting. But Ty was a lovely opponent. Um, and his Zench was also a bit of a gunline because he just has like a lot of a lot of dice, a lot of numbers. And this is where the the tamp uh, the lantern of the tempest came into its own because I hadn't a zero sin on the objective for pretty much the whole game. Uh, which made all the stuff re-roll sixes to hit when they shoot, and the horrors, the, bl- the pinks hit on fours. I think the blues hit on fours as well, maybe or fives, and then the brims definitely hit on fives. So he was re-rolling half his hit rolls at that point. So um, yeah, it, it got to a point where it's like I needed to kill more stuff than he could summon, and, um, and I got lucky with the priorities and so on. So it was it was a close game. Uh, I have no magic defense whatsoever, so whatever he wanted to cast he could. Even why killing his Lord of Change, he still has like seven or eight spells, because he's got a couple of two cast wizards and then he's got four battle line that casts. So it's yeah. good I didn't I didn't play anything wrong. It's just I sort of out I had more output than he did. And I was cautious to stay out of his eighteen inch kill box, which is where all his spells hit me. Um, and then also, he didn't want to double turn until the end of the game where it sort of didn't matter. So he couldn't sort of move into that 18 inches and then blast me off. Uh, one awesome thing that happened in this game is he fold reality with a unit of horrors and he destroyed the horrors, which was awesome. So <laughs> he, uh, he, he folded and he rolled a one and then he lost like seven horrors. And I didn't even realize what was happening. He just started pulling the unit off. I said, What happened? He said, Fold reality. And I just like fist pumped. <laughs> <Which> I, <laughs> which I don't know if he was too happy about, but I was like, sorry, bro, but that's awesome. So yeah, <laughs> a, a tactical retreat into the corner, got lucky with the objectives. out attrition tie. Um, yeah. He had way more bodies, but I think I killed about 2000 points of his army, but I think he had about 2000 points left on the board with all his horrors by the end of it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Did you get your, and, um,
1: and, uh, you get your yeah. What was your, what was your secret mission and stuff? What did yeah. Group? So
2: I didn't get the tertiary cause the tertiary was to score his objective, which landed like the objective in your opponent's territory and that landed like the opposite corner of my army so that was the only two game points i dropped the whole tournament um secondary i got which was one i'd never picked in my life and when i saw it my eyes lit up because it was have a hero alive with an artifact at the end of the game and normally only have like one artifact on the hero and um And in Nesami, I have four. So I was like, oh, I've got to do that. Like, Jesus, if I I can't do that, there's something wrong with me. So (laughs) I picked it, and it was a low-hanging fruit because at this point, I think it was turn one before we remembered objectives um, because it's that sort of game. But, yeah, so I scored a maximum of uh, 14 out of 16 points, I believe it was. Major win plus a secondary, no tertiary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Solid. Chris?
1: Yeah, so I will be really quick. I played Ryan Shanks, otherwise known as Ham Solo online, um, which is cool. He's a really great guy. He was really fun. Um, He has a Gloomspite army. So this was my first game against Gloomspite, believe it or not. Um, He had a unit of 60 grots, a unit of 40 grots, um, some bounders, a mangler squig, um, scrag rot, but not as the general, um, a fungoid shaman. Um, So there was quite a lot of stuff. uh, And I was like, oh, bodies. I know the Grots can debuff me to hit, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I knew the Boing Grots could do Mortal Wounds on the charge, which is always going to be a problem with my, like, source Guard because that's what they hate. Um, but, yeah, so the first kind of couple of turns were a bit cautious, although the Realmscape feature in this one uh, was you in your hero phase, if you, you roll a dice and on a six, you get to pick a unit not in cover. And then... You get to roll a dice for every single model in that unit. And every roll underneath their save characteristic is a mortal wound. So Grotz have a five up save, and he's got a unit of 60 of them. And I'm like, hmm, it'd be nice to clear them off. So first roll of the game, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna roll this realmscape feature. Picked up a pink, pink black sun, popped a six, and he was like, because <sighs> we'd talked about it before the start of the game, and I was like, that realmscape feature, we both know what's happening if I roll it. And then I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm really happy. And I just rolled 60 dice into his unit of grots and did 41 mortal wounds. And <laughs> uh, so, so I was like, cool, that's that unit basically neutered. Um, it didn't come up a- again, but I was pretty happy. The first, first dice roll took out 41 grots for me. Um, and then, yeah, that was kind of the highlight. Um, generally, this game sort of cagey. Um, Here's a, like, The objective came down kind of on the right hand side, which is sort of I have to set up in the middle for this because my whole army generally deploys together um, and I can't go off to one side in case the objectives fall on the other. I just even with teleports, I can't teleport enough of my army um, and I can't get over there quick enough. So I have to set up in the middle. Um, And then the objective kind of came down on the right a little bit, which was good because it was on the side where his 60 grots had been. Um, mm. And the 40 were kind of on the mm. other side. So because I dealt with the 60, it was kind of the weaker side. Um, and I was slightly off to the right anyway because of terrain. So I basically just pushed the Bastillodons over towards that objective. Um, he got it on his turn. And then I um, I took it back. Not on the first turn, though. Um, I think I took it. And then he just moved enough models because I just got one Bastion range. So he just moved some Squid herders onto it and took it. And then I kind of took it back. Um, But basically then his objective came down on the other side in his territory and mine came down kind of in the middle where my bunker was. So I just made a big bunker with all my Temple Garden stuff around mine and just left the bastilladons on the other one. And I was never bothering to go for his because I was like, if you hold two, you win anyway. Um, So he knew he kind of had to play for mine. Um, I I was feeling pretty confident. And then turn four, there was a bit of a – squeaky bum moment he kind of made a charge with um the boingrots um but i'd screened a a little bit with skinks but he made a massive charge with boingrots like 11 inches and they fly um and he'd also released fanatics the first turn so they went in so he basically managed to come in with the boingrots charge he was like right i'm gonna pick one unit of temple guard that was sitting in cover so they had a one-up save through rolling ignoring rend one is like i'm gonna pick them for my mortals did all the mortal wounds took them off the fanatics go at the start of the combat phase so they went took off the other unit because they're rend two and d3 damage and he rolled a lot of attacks for them so they took off the other unit so then i just had one of my three units left and he had his 10 boy grots in and i was like oh shit here we go and then they didn't do anything and then I killed that and because he'd gone into all my characters like my slan had a swing my eternity warden had a swing the star priest had a swing like literally everything mm-hmm. just started swinging and then I killed like seven of his Boingrots and I think they battle shocked off and so I didn't he didn't get the objective um and then I was able to just consolidate and keep it um I forgot the I forgot because this was the first game and I hadn't considered Cogs in terms of turning forward time for the charge at this stage. Um, but I needed to try and take his objective to score the tertiary um, because it was – take uh, and he just had 10 Boingrots on it. So what I was going to try and do is teleport 20 skinks over, nine away, and then charge in and then just use their withdrawal immediately from combat because I could have just pulled them out of combat and had more models than him in range of his objective. So I just had to make the charge. Um, I got my reroll charge pair off so I was looking for a nine but I forgot to just speed forward cogs instead so I had to do a nine with a reroll and I rolled eights so I didn't make it Um, but if I'd sped up time I would have been able to snag it and get his and get my tertiary but yeah I wasn't thinking at that stage about speeding forward time so didn't do it but it kind of made it stick for the later games about the fact that I could use it for the later turns Um, but I did get my Secret. uh, My secondary, which I chose, secret mission, and that was basically the one where if you've got a hero, um, on the board, like within one of the board edge in your opponent's territory, um, in the battle shock phase of any turn, you can take them off the table and you score the mission. So literally, the last turn of the game, I just teleported a skink priest worth eighty points to his backboard edge, and then at the end of the game, just took him off and was like, okay, I've done my mission. That was easy. So, um. I knew I had that one at least, so um, yeah, that was a major win to me and a secondary, but no tertiary. Um, and yeah, great game. Like to yeah, Ryan was a champ to take forty-one goblins <laughs> off immediately, and then uh, yeah, he he was a champ. And my basties were really good. His Mangler Squid came into some squigs and just two Snake Basties did eight mortal wounds to it before it even fought. And then the and then I rolled my engine next turn and did five more wounds and just killed it. So all it did was come in, kill some squigs, and then die. So yeah, uh, he, he took it really well. And, uh, yeah, it was a really good, fun first game and my first experience of uh, Gloomspite, so that was cool. Yeah, I'm was
2: guessing cool. he didn't roll a four up to bring half the unit back, did he?
1: The thing is, I never actually killed either of the units of grots because he didn't battle oh. shot because they were set up in range of his loontrine. So um, I killed 41 and just neutered them, but he had, like, nine or so left in each unit. I never killed them, so he never got to roll.
2: In the words of Jurassic Park, Chris, clever girl.
1: <laughs> I can't say it was intentional and they just weren't necessarily in the fight, but yeah. Yeah, it's 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 just a bit of a ball lake though when they come back, you're like, uh-huh. uh-huh.
2: I have to do that all over again. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's, I think that's the right way to go, assuming that he's not just like, letting them go to Battleshock or anything like that. But yeah. How about you, just
0: James? Th- uh, so my first round was a grudge match with um, Sean Ratcliffe. So Sean's uh, one of the original uh, guys from the Sydney scene. Uh, helped really back in the earlier days. Uh, really helped sort of kick it off with. Um, we had the Sydney Sydney Showdown back in 2016. <laughs> Seems like an, an age ago now. But um, we hadn't played a game in in forever. Like I think the last game we played was in his garage, like two years ago, or a year ago, or something like that. But um, so we thought, yep, we're playing. That's it. We're doing it. And so he took uh, Slaves to Darkness. So he had a uh, Chaos Lord of Manticore. He had Sail the Faithless. Um, he had a Demon Prince, uh, Rot Spawned, um, Harbinger of Decay. He had a Warstrine, Chosen. Then he had like ten units of five uh, Chaos Warriors on top of that in a God's Wrath Warband. So he set up his army, kind of clustered on his on his right, my left, and he put one sort of unit over on the other, other side of the board, just as a, I guess, as a, I could tell he was kind of banking on well, he was taking that risk where, you know, hopefully that hit the, uh, the, the star strike would land closer to his massive cluster. Um, first one went down in the center, which I was able to take, and then it was just a matter of just chopping my way through his army on the, on the left and, um, which I managed to do like over the course of the five turns um yeah was able to take all these take all these toys off uh with the with the archai with uh, neferata with the mongol just with all that combat output just was able just to chew through his army and took that last toy off at the bottom of the well yeah, in the fifth turn sort of thing but yeah i think he had a bit of um hard luck there with uh, where the the stars came down as well so first one was dead center and the other two were on my right where there was heaps of space for me just to I just put dogs on one and then he had the other one for a turn. I think he scored up a, on one turn for one of them, but I was able just to go over. I actually just sent Nagash over and some dogs and we just took that one. And um, But, yeah, I was able to cap off all, all the objectives and uh, get my got my tertiary, um, both like my two-point tertiary and my secondary, which was the um, kill his uh, highest point hero, which was his general, I think, the Chaos Lord Manticore. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the game. And I was, I was actually, I didn't know what to expect really. Cause he had like a lot of, um, he went the full MSU. I, was, I thought in hindsight, I thought it maybe would have served him better if he'd spread his army out a lot more, would have given me a lot more to deal with across the board. But by sort of camping all in one area, I was just able to send all my combat in and just, just systematically wipe my way through, um, got, um, handed dust off. I think it was three times in that game. <laughs> so yeah it took off took, took off some toys there, um with the hand of dust, and yeah, so Sean, <laughs> not a good start for Sean, but it was it was a good a good start for me, and this the first time I'd ever tabled someone at a tournament um and got all my tertiaries, got all my secondaries, because normally I forget about my secondaries or whatever, I just I don't remember until we're finished, I'm like, oh shit, I should have chosen my secondaries, but yeah, so I felt like I was doing tournaments right you know, after that first game, so. Um, that was a new experience for me. So I was, uh, yeah, a bit, I was ready for the second game, ready to go in fighting.
2: Yeah, and that's sort of how Star Strike goes, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. almost like you sort of, like, bet big to win big. You, you sort of load up one side or you just sit in the middle and just buff and your first two turns could just breeze past. Yeah. And you're only playing half yeah. the game. I think so, if that
0: had landed in his big cluster, it would have been a different story. I would have had to... Really push hard to get in there and get it, but um, I'd already like I had I had secured the centre first, like as, as soon as I could. So I was kind of, yeah, like I think I still would have got it, but um, but yeah, had things dropped a bit differently, I think he would have been much more in the game, especially later on in the game. But um, yeah, thanks for the yeah. game, Sean. If you're listening, <laughs> we'll play again. I'll, I won't bring the gash next time. I'll just bring a fun narrative list, and we can <laughs> we can chill. <laughs>
2: No, just just take them off again. Sounds real fun. <laughs> <laughs> John, you sound like a nice dude, but you know, Chris the you off is super easy. So
0: sorry, the slaves of darkness were invading I mean, yes. my territory. I had to um I had to get rid of them. They I would not abide Nurgle anywhere near anywhere near me. So <laughs> for those who don't know I hate Nurgle.
2: Yeah, fuck Nurgle. Cool. Um, so what about yeah so I, i'll kick off into my second game so i played uh Jules in duality of death and this was a when i saw the list i was just like what is going on here um and i'm not trying to sit here and poop on Jules because Jules was a lovely person he explained to me when we got to the table that he's a he's a king's of war player traditionally he played old school fantasy, and he's sort of getting back into aos and he's only played like uh, maybe a half dozen games of aos um and his army looks real good it's it's a legion of blood army and off the top of my head it uh, had like two coven fronts and that was the only heroes and it had like 20 blood knights maybe 25 blood knights which was crazy because i haven't seen him for a long time um and then it had a unit of 12 Vargas, i think it was which was sort of his like big death star unit and he had some like bats and some wolves and he had some chain rasters, battle line. So it was, it was, it was, sort of all over the show. But like the army looked amazing, and Jules is great to play. There's no issue. So the game went um about as well as I could ask it to, where I um i uh, drop him because I'm two drops, and he's like six or seven drops, or maybe more, I can't even remember. I uh, e- either way, I dropped him. I dropped everyone that I played this week, and so it's it's besides the point. We had a discussion about it, it's fine. Um I heavy stack one side of the board with like my quiller and a bunch of my long strikes and my hunters and my, and he heavy sacked the opposite side of the board, which was great. It was fine by me. And my strategy for duality is quite often to score early because I'm not going to have something that sits around late on the objective. But if I manage to get in a unit or whatever scoring, first of all, alive for two or three turns, that's normally all you need. If you can get one unit scoring for three turns early in duality, that's generally a game winner because that unit scored six points by himself, which is amazing. So I put two units of um, five Vanguard Hunters on because you have to split the board and near in the corners. I put him on the line, put a hero behind him. Vanguard Hunters move six inches. Uh, I have CP to burn if I need to make him run on a six. So I just push him forward. I drop some stuff down. I move some um, long strikes to the side of the board. I shot his weak side of the board and took off his Coven Throne on that side, and I killed, I think, all oh, his Chain Wrath. So that was his Battle Line and his Coven Throne on one side. He still had some units, but he had no scoring units on that side. Jules then double turns me, um, takes off my weak side. So I scored two points at the start of the game. Takes off my weak side, which is what I expected. He wins the priority. He takes the turn, which is great, because I would have given it to him anyway. He swarms over my weak side, and he actually he didn't kill my Vanguard Hunters, which was scoring my battle line unit with a battle line unit or a hero of his, he killed him with the Vargas and it wasn't by choice. That's just how it worked out because he was always attacking with his hero first or his battle line. And he just kept whiffing the poor guy. He just, he whiffed. so Jules didn't score any points until turn three in this game, which sort of tells you how it went. Um So he double turned me, took off my weak side, wasn't scoring it. I went, I completely took off whatever was on his weak side with my strong side uh, I won the priority role. I almost table him at this point. Um, I think he has five Blood Knights and ten chain left going into the top of turn three. Um, and I've I've got six points to his nil points, and and that was more or less it. That was that was game. So Jules is great to play, no issue, super clear with his rules, concise. You know, asked him questions because he wasn't sure what was going on, which is fine. Uh great game i'll play him again it was just a really hard matchup for him and um and he was sort of aware as to how it was going to go and he made the comments sort of early in the game as well so it was just um it was just a, a good easy win for me i guess you would say without trying to shut on Jules so much yeah um, i got my secondary got my tertiary i can't remember what my secondary was uh, just, I can't remember what most of them were. To be honest, it might have been to kill his highest point hero. I'm not too sure. Um, I generally save that for later because it's quite an easy one for me to get. Yeah. Uh, Coach also confused me because he only wrote the old secondaries down. He didn't write the new ones down. So, but he said we could use the new ones. But I didn't have the new ones to reference. So, oh no, actually I remember now. Sorry, it was to have a, a it was invade. I think it was because all all the missions had tertiary objectives to them which if you paired up the secondary objective, it was quite easy to obtain. So I think the secondary objective for this, and if either of you remember, Chris or James, please correct me, I think the secondary was to get a unit into your opponent's deployment zone that hadn't been like teleported on the board or hadn't been dropped from the sky or whatever. And yep. if it was a battle line unit, you scored two points instead of one. Yeah, so I had right. a unit, yeah. So that's what I had, I invade. So I had five Vanguard Hunters just run down the long side of my my strong side, literally they were just in a line and they just ran down the whole game to get to his objective. And that's all they did. Sorry, not his objective, his um, deployment zone. So that was it. So that's normally how my secondaries went is I just picked whatever was sort of part of the tertiary. And if I did the tertiary, I did the secondary, you know, great stuff.
0: I sort of found that the tertiaries were kind of set up to be fairly, like, not easy, but like they made sense with the scenario that you could get them like conceivably, fairly easily. Yeah, um, agree. Like, and if you if you went for your, those tertiaries, like you were kind of on the right track already with how you were playing the, the scenario. Not not yep. like not a rule of thumb, but like generally, it's just felt like they just fitted well into what you should be doing in the game to win it anyway. So it was cool.
2: It was yeah, agree, agree. Yeah. Like if you if you're winning the game and you're in a position to score your secondary, then you, or a position to score your tertiary, you should get your secondary. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was good. It was fine, and and that's what it was. So yeah, it was a big one for me. Um, I won by 10, three, I think it was, um, yep. and tabled jewels by the end of it. So and I lost not a lot of my guys, but besides the point. So yeah, good win.
0: Yeah, nice, solid. Chris, how'd you go?
1: Yeah, cool. Um, I played Ken Van Ship with his Slanash, so I was like here we go um and it was duality which one of my weaker scenarios especially basically against anyone that outdrops me and ken had slanesh and outdropped me so i was pretty against it on this one to be honest um mainly because anyone that outdrops me and has enough bodies or can screen just goes first and gets on the objectives and then i can't i kind of have to push through everything um and Ken at the start was like, "Oh, this might be risky, but I'm gonna go first. And I was like, "Nah, you, you're gonna win. That's all you have to do." He basically went both sides. He and Ken's list, to be fair to him, like it's it's really cool. It's not just take all the fucking heroes and minimum battle line. He um he has two keepers, um and then a chaos lord, um a chaos sorcerer lord, just on steed for demonic power. Um and I think just a hero that people aren't genuinely gonna target when there's keepers on the board, but he can then use it to summon stuff from, um, and then um, he had thirty demonets, thirty demonets, a unit of twenty seekers, and then five striders I think. Um, and basically he just kind of put the one keeper on one side with thirty demonets and the twenty um, seekers. And I think the Hellstriders, and then on the other side he put the other thirty demonets um, and the other keeper. Um, oh, and a, a chariot as well. He had an exalted flyer chariot thing. Um, and yeah, basically he he just went first and um, basically kind of just blocked me in on the main side. I stacked. I basically just put the two priests and the three Bastilladons uh, with a screen of ten skinks in front on one side. And then on the other side was the rest of my army, so all the Temple Guard and um, the engines, the Slan, everything. But I went reasonably far back. Um, In hindsight, I probably should have just gone on the front line, although it didn't really matter, to be honest. Um, And, yeah, he charged me turn one with the 20 Seekers because they can, like, run and charge, and they run 2d6, and I think they get plus one to charge. Um, And he just completely blocked in like blocked me in into the corner with 20 Seekers to go through and ran the uh, Keeper of Secrets right down the side on the flank as well because he's super fast. Um, And, yeah, he then, as he was doing the charge, though, he was like, hang on, those guys are two up save, right? And I was like, yep. And they ignore end one. I was like, yep. And I have a CP so I can make them reroll ones. And he was like, this is really stupid, like, to charge them with the Seekers. And I was like, Maybe. Um, he's like, I'm not going to do anything. I was like, maybe. But he's like, oh, well, I've already started doing it. So he just did it. Um, but to be honest, I was like, yeah, it, he probably didn't need to charge me. He could have just stopped three inches away from me or whatever. But um, he charged me. But it's a blob of 20 seekers that was in between me and the objective. And he was holding the objective with 30 demonets. So not only was I going to have to clear off 20 seekers, I was then going to have to try and go in and clear off 30 demonets as well before i could even try and start scoring the objective and i had a keeper of secrets down the side of the flank that i have to deal with as well so i was like yeah no it, it totally isn't a risk um but anyway he charged me didn't do anything and then eventually um like you said he did bounce on that charge and then my guard whiffed it to be honest on the attacks back and didn't really kill much um that turn but over the next few combats they were all d3 damage and then i started to roll hotter um And I did actually start to push him back. Um, And basically, he got both the objectives first turn, obviously, and then he scored them the second turn. Um, I wasn't able to score them, um, but then because he went first in the second turn. And then, so he had already six points. But then by the end of my second turn, I'd actually killed through the 20 Seekers. Killed the 30 demonets and taken control of the objective because I finished it off with a battle line unit of my own, the Saurus Guard on the right. And on the left, I'd managed to kill through his demonets and I teleported over the Slan and the Skink Priest and made a charge onto his. I think he had two demonets left, which I didn't shoot because I needed to make the charge. So I made the charge in, but then killed them in combat before they could go. So I was able to score both objectives. So he was then like, oh, shit, because I'd actually killed most of his army um, by the end of turn two, and I was then s- starting to score. So it was 6-2, but he, both his keepers were still alive, and he had, like, 58 depravity. So then at <laughs> turn three, he just summoned 60 demonettes back onto the table and made their charges with both of them. Um, and then I just didn't have an army left, and I just couldn't carry on. And then he ended up winning, like, 18-2, I think, and... Um, I played really, really stupidly on my first turn because I was wor- my, yeah, on my first turn because I was worried about the keeper that had gone down my flank, um, and it was going to charge into my engines and my um, eternity warden and my slan and everything. And I was like, I, I just I have to deal with that keeper. I can't let it charge me. Um, but then I know what they do in terms of combat, and so, but I charged it with both my engines and my eternity warden, and they just made one of my engines go last the other one got to hit him but obviously didn't do that much and then he just goes twice and takes off both the engines and I was like yeah and I knew that would happen and then because he kills a hero he gets to heal d6 wounds and so I only did like five or six to him with their combat anyway in the eternity Warden. they just healed it back anyway and I was like I just gave you both my engines in my turn one like why did I think like why did i do that because i know i didn't want to feed him depravity or lose them and i should have just not charged him because he'd have then charged them and taken them off anyway sure but it would have happened in his turn not my turn um uh yeah i don't know i don't know why i did that i was just so worried i was like i have to kill them but just didn't think it through that i would not kill it um and yeah in hindsight if i hadn't done that i think i potentially could have won the game um <laughs> if i just tried to shoot them with beams or block them off and only feed him one engine um by putting it in the way and then kind of get the other stuff out of town roll a few kind of summons or whatever i might have been able to actually kill it at range and then um and then push back and had bodies with summoning but as it was i just massively derped i still haven't quite worked out how to deal with slanesh with that list yet but um i think in my head i know how to do it and then when it comes to the table i just botch it but um But, yeah, no, I still gave him a run for his money. He was saying at the end, like, he didn't think it was going to be that difficult. So, yeah, I think he was surprised that I'd killed all of his shit, basically, and I was in control of both the objectives at the end of turn two. Um, But then, like I say, you bring back 60 demonets to the table and clear it all off, you're fine. Um, But I did get my secondary on that because I chose sacrifice, funnily enough, which was lose a hero to – or lose a monster or something to – an enemy hero or monster, and I was like, Well, he's got keepers. <laughs> I'm just gonna give him an engine, which mm. I did. I gave him two. <laughs> i would get one free. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh yeah, I lost that game quite convincingly. Um, but it was fun and I liked playing Ken's list because it was it was different. Um, and it was built to just get so many CP. He was getting like four or five CP every turn, um, yeah. from a combat from a combination of artifacts, battalion. Um, traits and stuff like that um, which he, it was funny at the start of the game he was saying he'd need more than just a, a dial tracker to track them because he goes into the double digits and then he was using all of them every turn to try and kill me because he's like I need to reroll ones to hit, I need to double pile in so actually I was making him work for it and he was burning through 4 or 5 CP every single turn um, so yeah, I was bodged up but I was still pretty happy I made him work for it so <laughs>
2: Yeah, Yeah, I don't think you played the wrong strategy, Chris, because I was sort of somewhat next to you, or parallel to you, I guess you'd say, and I was um, popping over and asking you questions sort of during your game, because my game was a bit more free-flowing, but I think the way that he sort of came at you first turn and you absorbed his charge instead of him rolling over you initially, gave you an opportunity to sort of deal with his first screening units and then sort of push back over him if you won the priority roll. Because the issue is that, yeah, you might have taken off all his demonets and the seekers and so on and so forth in turn one. Um, however, he still, as you said, had two keepers just like roaming the board doing whatever they want and scoring as well. And if you get down early in duality, it, it really hurts. Um, so I don't think the way you played it was necessarily poor. I just think it's a bit unlucky. And depending on the Not. extent of your counterpunch to his army and how many heroes he can to because that's exactly it. Like You can kill... All but one wound on a hero in a double turn, but then you've given him enough to breavity where he just brings half of those units back. And if he wins a priority, then he brings the other half back, and you're like, Cool, interactive game, awesome, love it. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was a good game though. And I did I definitely did bodge up by charging a keeper of secrets with two engines and an eternity warden on my turn. Um like I I cocked that up. I wish I hadn't so I could have seen how the game was gone, because I think you're right, I think I set up the right way to take the charge and my army was actually able to kill through him quite quickly um but yeah that was the huge mistake and then i just didn't have the the summoning capability or the ranged capability to kind of deal with those keepers um but that being said i always would have where my basties were they dealt with his keeper he only had a couple wounds left so he retreated it out of the way otherwise it would have died um i was giving him some shit for that actually because he was like i have to retreat the keeper away from your snakes and i was like what are you talk talking about you're slanesh you're supposed to embrace the snake don't flee the snake embrace the snake and he uh but he was like no because i'll die i was like so embrace the snake <laughs> but he uh he retreated out of the way and just summoned 30 minutes and yeah not a lot i could do without about that but uh <laughs> but yeah no it was a good game and yeah i liked ken's list it wasn't it's still slanesh and it's tough sure but it wasn't just hero spam like he had a, like a huge amount of what Sixty Demonettes and forty and twenty seekers. Or none of that generates him depravity. Um mm. so like he could have min maxed it way more and he didn't. And I, I like I liked his list. It was cool. So
2: Yeah, and he needed three or four heroes, I think. And like at two and a half, I would expect like eight heroes, in all honesty. Because that's what they live and die on.
1: Yeah. So no, I liked it. I'm not gonna give Ken shit for taking a horrible slanish list. It was quite a cool one, and I liked it, so. And Ken's a nice guy, so it was a good game.
0: Yeah, Ken only
2: takes the ideneth. You yeah. guys are so PC on this. We should throw some shade. Come on. <laughs> oh,
1: if, it was a dick, if, it, if he was a dick and he brought a really horrible dick list, I'd call him out. But I, I generally don't think he did. Like, I like. No, no I, 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 don't, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he, he did at, Ken's at all. Like Ken's like do
4: <laughs>
2: and I don't know Ken from a bar of soap. But fuck the um, That's what I brought my list. I was hoping to play the and Fick all weekend, but I didn't. But anyhow, um, so should we go into your game, James? Game two.
0: Yeah, so speaking of feck, uh, my second game I got drawn up against um, uh, Gemma Shepherd from uh, The Failed Charge. So that was, we were both pretty pretty happy about that because we had, hadn't had a chance to play a game before. Um, so I was pretty stoked. And yeah, we we set up, played what was it? it was Duralia G- of Death. So I think I put uh, it's a bit vague because some of my games are melding into, into one, but um, I think on my left, I put the archai Neferata and some dogs and on the right box, I put Nagash dogs and the Mongol, the rest of the dogs in the Mongol. And the, I hid the, um, I think I hid the, <laughs> the, uh, can Wraith under a rock somewhere. Um, but yeah, like I, I can't remember if I gave, I think I gave Gemma the first turn or I, I took the first turn. I can't remember anyway, on the left, it turned out Uh, Her nine flares were on her objective, and on the right, I had um, Dogs and Mongol and Nagash and friends on that side. So we kind of went, we both captured in our first turns, and it was just parity through the rest of the game. So uh, I think she was trying to keep away from the Nagash um, handed dust through the spell portal threat. So I think that influenced a lot of her decision-making, especially with where she put her um, her big, uh, you know, terror guys and things like that. So I was was actually quite relieved when she was moving them away from areas where I was starting to think, okay, this one goes in now, that's it, it's 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 done. But um, I think just having that Nagashra there was enough to like for her to make decisions to send him over to the other side of the board. And um, so it got down to it to the point where, yeah, it was on parity and it was going to be kill it was very clear it was going to be kill points and so um there was in the last couple of turns some scrambling on Gemma's um, part to uh she was teleporting cuz you know with the fact they've got that teleport on a command point i think it is um she teleported over i think she had like a, a fl- like she had one flare left on that side with um a few other a few other bits and bobs and so she sent over some support and I think she needed to get some charges to get into the range of that but wasn't able to get it in the end. But there was some really, like, there was a couple of rolls there where it was if she'd made it, if she'd made that charge, it would have, she would have been able to take the game home. So it was like, yeah, the sweat was dripping down, <laughs> dripping down <laughs> in that one. But, um, yeah, like, luckily for me, uh, those uh, charges didn't get off. And correct me if I'm wrong, Gemma, I, I'm not remembering too clearly, but I remember there were just some, some cool, like, uh, kind of shenanigans movement teleporting shenanigans at the end where you're just like positioning yourself like you did everything right to try and take that back. Um but just yeah this unfortunately rolls didn't didn't kick it. I think um even with the command point re-roll charges still failed. It was just one of those situations where you just couldn't make a charge roll. So felt a bit bad for, for Gemma there, but um but it was fantastic game. Gemma's if you're listening it's fantastic to finally have a game with you after like have many years of um, knowing you um, from around the place and um, listening to your podcasts and stuff. And so I came up with a minor win on that one. It was nine to f- – I got nine. Gemma got five in that. Um, so n- neither of us got our I – th- I, think, I think she might have got one. I think she got her hidden agenda, but I didn't get either of mine. So I just got the nine points. Um, there was 300 points difference between us in kill points – so it was very like super close game down to the wire sort of sort of scenario and um yeah, it was awesome. so yeah, thanks for the game, Gemma, and hopefully we'll get matched up again soon. <laughs> but um, but she went off and uh, and did really well in the tournament after that, I think, so she she placed up in the top sort of twenty, I think top fifteen even from memory, but um, yeah, so well done there. But yeah, got no shade for uh for feck. <laughs> I was able to kind of I was a bit scared, but I was able to I had the I was able to kind of deal with it like it wasn't as they're not as scary as they used to be, I suppose. Um, but I think I was lucky that that unit of nine flares were kind of stuck on her objective to keep scoring. Uh, so had they had some more freedom of movement, I think that would have changed things up a bit as well. Um but yeah, like it was just the typical sort of two and froing where the, the more gas would go in, they'd they'd cut away a whole bunch of flares and then her turn would come around, and she'd just bring them back, <laughs> kind of thing. So I was getting a bit of my a dose of my own medicine, like death on death there. So but um yeah, I didn't have any spells that I could draw on with Nagash, because you know how Nagash can cast all death spells. So I think her spells that she had were like I think the Feck ones kind of just benefit Feck stuff. So I wasn't um, wasn't gonna be digging into into her spell pool for that but
1: oh the run and charge one or something or the yeah the run and charge one I think remember Michael was talking about it in our chat that actually is just pick a friendly unit so okay yeah you could have taken that and put that on the Morgasts
0: yeah yeah oh well (laughs) but yeah that that was my game too so I was uh, on a major win minor win so yeah things were looking up at that point um yeah should we go on to game three, Sean?
2: Yeah, man. Um, so I played a lovely chap by the name of Daniel, um, and probably the pre rambles is more interesting than in the game in itself. So Daniel was playing 200 Plague Monks and a couple of bells and some heroes and so on and so forth. It doesn't really matter. The main point is he has 200 bodies. Um, me and Daniel got to the table, and... Daniel had to go collect his army, which is one thing I noticed. Um, and I'm just going to throw some shade here, not specifically at Daniel, but at all you Australians, because fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> Chris, you're not Australian, so it's fine. Um, I might
0: so... hit the mute button. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: but um, you guys need to clean up your tables when you're done playing games, eh? Like, don't leave your shit lying around everywhere and then don't wait to start the next round before you start cleaning up your stuff. It's it's really annoying. Um, and, and and that's all I'll say about that, unless you get me going again. But anyway, so Daniel was pulling his models out, and he spent 15 minutes coming back and forth to the table. We start deploying. We're both um, – I'm a two-drop army. I believe Daniel was a four- or five-drop army. He's playing Congregation of Filth, so it's like real 2017. It's old-school army. And he was deploying his army, and I deployed my army about – I think about 20-25 minutes after the round started because we started a little later and then Daniel pulled out his army and dumped it on the board and I was like oh is that your whole army and he was like no that's about half my rates and I was like oh okay I, I figured as much because that didn't seem like 200 rates and then he spent sort of his time pushing he, he's got these movement trays and they come in um, the cloud shape I assume everyone's seen the cloud it's like two high and three at the bottom um and his models clip into the clouds which i really appreciate i appreciate that he's run, moving going on movement trays he's not moving 200 individual models a time that's great awesome stuff however he had to sort of load his models into his trays over the course of the game and the short of it is that i felt like it took a kind of very excessive time for him to get his army ready i think it was about 50 minutes before we started playing the game um i was sitting there in my head stewing about the situation instead of communicating to my opponents there's definitely stuff i could have done better as well um he finished deploying and we had a discussion about it and it was heated it wasn't like we weren't fighting and we weren't swearing fuck we're playing warhammer like it wasn't it wasn't too awkward like we had a disagreement at the table and we resolved that we both expressed sort of our opinions of the situation and we came to like an amicable conclusion and then we played the game in warhammer And um, my issue was that because this guy's taking so long to deploy his army, he therefore must take a lot longer to play his army because that's been my prior experience playing people in the same situation. But Daniel sort of shattered that um, stereotype. He, I think he spent less time playing the game than I did. Uh, So we're playing Relocation Orb. So new Relocation Orb. So there's like a, a heavy side and a weak side. So it goes in a diagonal across the halfway board. Is that the best way to describe it, Lads? Like, I'm really looking for somebody yeah. to help me out here. Yep, Yeah. that's,
0: that's about right. So you got your, your so, half to your
2: half yeah. corner. Yep. Yeah, so one half of your board. So say the left side of your board has, like, a one-inch deployment or a no-inch deployment. And then that means the right side of the board, so 72 inches away, you have the whole 24-inch board. And it just goes in a diagonal angle across there. So playing a relocation orb, I gave him first turn because Mama didn't raise no fall. And he pushed his army <laughs> forward. <laughs> he pushed his army forward. And uh, he scored the point. And then I pushed in a Xeros forward with an artifact um, because it counts as 20 models in relocation orb. And then I proceeded to try gun down his army. I didn't kill enough, I think. He had 22 models to my technically 20 models. So that was that was pretty close. And then we rolled off a priority and I won the roll. And I really didn't want to take the roll off here because obviously if he scores, then he goes, you know, four one up to my because assuming I score one point and he scores three points and he goes four one up. But the orb, because we did this all in the wrong order, we rolled off and then we figured out where the orb was going. The orb went to his weak side of the board, which is my strong side. So all his rats were on the opposite side of the board. So I felt comfortable taking the turn roll. Because I figured that I could gun down a lot more of his rats, and he could have in the, like a chance of jumping on that objective. So I took the turn, and I—I I don't know. I think he's maybe like 120 rats down by the end of turn two, and a Vermin Lord Corruptor and a Bell. <laughs> and I scored, so it went one all. And then also I, um, I made like layers on the board, so I had like Vanguard hunters and then you know, I had birds because I was sending up for a double turn at this point because I didn't want the top of the turn again. I wanted to give it away. So I notice going into my turn. So I'm building like a retreating sort of line before you get to my long strikes. Cause again, all I really care about is my long strikes. And kill other shit that's fine. As long as you don't kill my long strikes. If you get them in combat, then I'm done. Especially against shit that piles in when it dies. That's just annoying. Um so I sort of build this like retreating line of some hunters and some birds two units of birds and long strikes blow most of his army off uh he goes into the bottom of turn two he doesn't get anywhere near the objective we roll off again for priority um i win the priority i give him the priority and the orb bounces further back into his weak side corner further into my strong side corner i give him the turn he again he doesn't do anything i think he got I think the only combat that happened in this game was him killing some birds and then five Vanguard Hunters um, because I made an effort of staying out of combat with him, which is sort of the right thing to do against something that's far better in combat than what you are. Um, and then I score the objective. At this point, I believe I am 4-1 up. The objective goes back to the middle of the board. We roll off a priority. I win again. I give it to him. He can't score it. I score it. And then at that point, I table him in the bottom of turn four um so the game was the game was fine like the army my army worked exactly how it should work i guess is what i'm saying it was a hard matchup for him if he could get in combat that would be fine but because i can choose who goes first the natural order of things means that he's not going to be a double turn on me until the bottom of turn two to start a turn three but also by reverse that means i should have had a double turn at the top bottom of turn one top of turn two and my army has a lot of output so if i go into it knowing that i'm going to give him a double turn i know that i have actually had a double turn to remove a chunk of his army and when his army has you know very bad bravery no armor save threats and i'm doing two damage piece, it's it's just like it's almost like shooting fish in a barrel at that point in all honestly uh, so, yeah, and, and we scored our secondary. He managed to get a hero off the board edge for secret mission. I think I had center ground, maybe, which was like hold the center objective, which will end up being in the end. I'm not too sure. I got it, whatever it was. I, I actually can't remember. Sorry. Um the takeaway from this is that we had a disagreement at table and we discussed it like adults, and we resolved it like adults, which was good, and then the game finished well beyond time, like far more time than what we needed. I think we had about an hour left when we finished because we had a conflict and we resolved it. I could have resolved it in a better way because I could have sort of brought it to his atten- attention prior to him finishing. Um, but yeah, I would definitely play Daniel again. He like praised the movement of my army, which a lot of people did. Um, He's. I hope he had a fun time. He didn't say anything bad. I have nothing bad against him. I have nothing bad to say about his character. Um, I just was a little annoyed at the start when I was playing a horde army and he was taking a long time deploying his models. But again, we're adults playing Warhammer, so <laughs> what can't we resolve, you know? Um, and then a major win for me and not a very good game for him, I don't think, because he didn't get to kill much or do much.
0: Which is unusual because if you've had so many like so many plague months like that, you think you'd just be kicking out kicking out so much as you go through. But I guess against your kind of list, you're just able just to just avoid it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, man. well,
2: I mean that's like that's what my list does. It, it stacks yeah. layers in front of you and it countercharges you before you need to get to the juicy center. If yeah. I was playing a combat army, I would've been fucked. Like I playing a combat army against Daniel's army, I would Ten games we could have played. I would have never won any of them. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't have the output, and then he retaliates when he dies and all that sort of shit. Yeah. And I got like I got lucky with where the orb went. Like that's I can't ignore that. I absolutely got lucky with the orb. Yeah. But if if I'm allowed to space my army away from his and then give him, like I literally gave him turn three, the top of turn three, where all he did is ran about nine inches closer to me which i said yeah and then i'm just going to shoot you twice because you're now in my kill box for my hero phase so like yeah it, it was a hard matchup for him it was a matchup i knew that i didn't need to get into combat with so i mean he was he was chasing it from the start i guess and because i get to choose who goes first he just effectively wastes turn one moving towards me and scoring one point and then i was fortunate enough to win a double turn, so I got two turns react to what he was doing. And then he got a double turn, but because I planned for him to have it, I sort of tactically retreated away from him. So I wasn't exposed or overextending myself to him. So it was it was a hard matchup for him. I mean any again, if I was playing any Stormcast Combat Army, he would have he would have minced me. I would have yeah. got to the table and been like, fuck this game, seriously. This is ridiculous. It was just <laughs> Again, the shooting is like a hard counter to a lot of armies, but also I have very bad counters. Had I played a Night F army over the weekend, um, you know, had I played a Night Horn army that ignores Vrend, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it would have been a different story. But um, yeah. that's 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 what it was, unfortunately. So day three, oh, sorry, day one, uh, three major wins, all secondaries, two tertiaries out of three. So I was two points behind the leaders at this point in time
0: solid how are you feeling matt at the end
2: of the day oh tired because it was like it was nine hours nine, of nine <laughs> hours of warhammer but to be yeah. fair like mine and ty's game went to about a half hour before the end rounded and in the other two games i think we were finished like an hour and a half an hour before the end rounded so i didn't play like as much warhammer as other people but yep. Like flying That's over, good. having like a twenty-two hour day beforehand, having like five hours sleep, I was I was wrecked. I was shattered. Yeah. Um. But I mean, maybe we can touch on that later about playing two and a half hours of Warhammer at a time. But, but yeah, that was that was my day one. Like it went well for me. Obviously, it went well for me the whole weekend. But, um, I mean, Ty was a tactical game. Jules was just like, pff, unfortunately, me mowing down his army, and then Daniel had um. He had me winning priorities where it would have been more favorable for him to win priorities, yeah. and had he won some priorities, then it might have been a completely different game. But um, yeah. I, I played two. I played, you know, two out of three games where armies that wanted to come towards me, and I was putting enough space between me and that army that it was allowed to come towards me for two turns, and then I just mowed it down. So yeah. there's there's not a lot of tactics here. It's just been like spatially aware of what the fuck's going on. in honestly, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, do I want to overreach and try to kill that hero? or do I want to put myself in a safe position and blow off this unit and then allow him to retaliate to me without me being exposed? You know, it's like how risk-averse are you to the situation in this game? Yeah. And, and that's sort of how you need to play shooting armies because traditionally, whenever someone comes into a shooting army, that shooting army's going to crumple, which is true. Like my, hunt, like, my long strikes have no efficiency in combat at all, so... You know, it's like a race for them to get across the board and for me to put myself in positions where I am not exposed to excessive risks during the game. Yeah. That's
3: it. Yeah. Chris,
2: anyway, you... Chris.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: Oh, I was just thinking there. You're saying, oh, if, if you'd played Nighthaunt or something that ignores Rend, how horrible that would be. I was like, oh, imagine if you'd played three, three up save, ignoring Rend, re rolling Bastilladons. That would have been great. Yeah, but <laughs> I got Mortal Wounds. That's fine. Oh, no, you, you got Mortal Wounds. Save as More well. up Mortal Wounds save, but Yeah. Nah, you'd have taken my army off. It's fine. Um, we killed the besties yeah, last. So, my, my third game, I should have realized this at the time, given that we were next to each other in game two and then you beat Jules and I lost that i was probably playing jewels so i also played jewels um for game three so um yeah uh, echo everything you said um really nice guy obviously yeah came from kings of war and explained that to me as well at the start of the game that he'd had yeah maybe half a dozen games so i kind of said okay well this is basically what my army does like it tries to summon these are gonna snake you the the concept of how the snakes work like took a little bit of explaining but then he got it pretty quick um especially once the game kind of was happening and I was rolling them a couple times he was like oh yeah okay um yeah really nice army um and I was like oh relocation all but I kind of um I played it a little bit with the army and was like okay I think I have an idea how to play this um like I bunker up I can no matter what happens if my opponent makes me go first I think I can score it and set myself up in a way to prevent them scoring it by putting two heroes um with like either wizards or artifacts onto it so counting as 40 bodies and putting a screen in front um or if they like they go first I think I can do enough to maybe like take it back um but this really showed the differences in how big our armies were because he actually spread out his entire army across his full massive diagonal deployment zone and like it was the table was stacked like he had so many bodies like all those blood knights he had all those chain rasps like 20 harridans um the nine flayers the 12 bats like the 12 fell bats and um, the coven thrones like he had so much stuff he was spread out in a long line and there was bodies everywhere and there's me just deploying like five monsters and a couple of heroes with a few bodies just dotted around them in the middle and i was like hmm anywhere the orb goes he's got loads of bodies <laughs> i'm really gonna have to try and use my heroes kind of smart on this one um and yeah basically the the game was kind of a bit of a struggle he, he was like the only person i think i actually out dropped though because he had more drops than me if i use my formation um so i was actually able to let him go first so he kind of just went forward and got a few chain rasps in range and then i was able to kind of do my thing and run up heroes to get them counting as 20 models Um just run up some skinks as well. And then kind of start pushing the basties towards the middle of the board. Um, but basically the orb obviously bounces as it does. It bounced kind of the opposite way that would have been good for me. Um, I had skinks and a wizard on ready if it bounced one way and it went the other way right into his army where there was a load of blood knights and stuff. So I was like, the only way I can try and get this is to teleport two heroes with Um, like artifacts and a wizard, so and then try and make a nine inch charge. Because where it was, I could tag his unit of fell bats on the corner and would have got them within three and been able to 2.9 inch tag the blood knights to keep them in combat, but kind of make it so they couldn't really hit me efficiently. Um, but again, I still hadn't learned the turn forward time thing with the cogs just yet. Um, so I teleported the engine with the artifact and then the skink star priest and they needed nine-inch re-rollable charges and I rolled eights again on both of them, so failed. Um so then they were just sitting on his backboard edge, and then it was his turn, and he just turned his blood knights around and charged them with blood knights and fellbats and had the objective with other models and just killed them as well. And I was like, that didn't really work, did it? Um <laughs> and then the orb, I was hoping it was going to bounce back to the middle where I still had skinks and my basties, and then it bounced even further into his side um but i got the priority and i was like i have to take it um because if i didn't he'd have just pushed out models because he had chain rouse on the corner he's coming through and he could have literally just block me off from getting it at all so then i had to do exactly the same thing again and i teleported the other two things that i could do which was the slan himself and the eternity warden um the slam being a wizard the eternity warden having an artifact um this time I was like, okay, I need to make this charge. I turned forward time with Cogs. Um, and then I made their charges. And I'd also summoned, after I teleported the slant, I summoned skinks, two units of ten skinks next to him as well, so that I'd have skinks to attempt to charge that could do the withdrawal and stuff. So basically I made the charge of one of them and both the characters onto the corner of his chain raft, which was within three of the objective. So I was able to get 40 points worth in those heroes. And then I used the skinks charges and parlins with other units I'd summoned to basically create walls around my models so that he wouldn't be able to charge my heroes with blood knights or anything like that um and his own models were in the way for him to charge with like his coven throne and stuff um so yeah I was able to score that I only got the one point but I was able to stop him scoring it um on his turn and then the orb bounced back into the middle um and he took the turn but i was able to stop him scoring because i had skinks and my basties were there clearing off his models and then i managed to score it and that was the end of round four which we were pushing for um and i was i'd managed to go four points up um from there so um yeah i was i was happy i managed to kind of pull that game out um and yeah it was really fun i was trying to kill both his coven thrones because annoyingly the tertiary in that mission was kill what it was what kill a hero kill an enemy hero um, by the third bat, by the end of the third battle round, to score one, and it was sc- kill two or more to score two. So he yeah. just had the two Coven thrones, and they were both behind all of his models. And I was like, "How the hell am I going to kill them?" So any chance I could with laser beams and stuff like that, I was trying to chip them down. And literally, the end of battle round, by the end of battle round three, one of his Coven thrones had one wound left, and I had triple snaked it, triple snake bastied it. And I was like, it has to die. And then I just would not, I'd roll each one individually. And I'd be like, okay, sixes, roll 12 dice. And I wouldn't get any. Or I got like two. And then he did two double six up deathless saves. And then, like, I was like, for God's sake. And I couldn't kill it. So it had one wound left at the end of battle round three. And his general had like three wounds left. And then it got to battle round four. And I just went, engine nine laser beam d6 more wounds five into your general killed it next one four into the other one killed it and i was like god's sake why is it battle round four so um <laughs> start about around four i took off both his heroes but obviously meant i didn't score any points on the tertiary um but i did score my secondary this time which was the i think i did invade so it was have a battle line unit in my opponent's territory and i had skinks like all over the board from where i'd gone in the corners so I was able to get that at least. So yeah, I got a major win and my secondary again, but no tertiary. So all three games, I got my secondary, but not my tertiary. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> How about you, James? And yeah, Jules Jules was great. It was a really good game. Really nice guy.
0: So my game three uh, was uh, versus Legion of Blood. Uh, so Ben Chong's son, who's um, he actually came to Sydney Slaughter as well um, earlier in the year, but he had Neferata... Uh, he had a Vampire zombie dragon with the amulet. Uh, he had a, another Vampire z- zombie dragon. Um, he had the Necromancer. He had 40 Skellies, 30 Chainrass, 2-5 two, two times Direwolves. He had a Corpse Cart and he had the Mortis Engine. Um, and he had some endless spells in there. So he had gemnids, the Palisade and Quicksilver Swords. So a uh, very familiar list to me. I know how all of it works and what to do um, when facing it. Um, and... Yeah, it was relocating orbs. So we did the thing, Chris, remember you said um just set up the objectives first. Like set up the positions for all the objectives and then you just get like another counter or something in so you can just quickly zoom it yep. over to where it needs to go. So we did yep. that. Um, so that, that really helped the game. And yeah basically start off in the center it went to his his side so he was able to um get up get up on some points then it was me pushing back to get the points back. He Took Skelly's on my left. He had Chainrass on my right. He took the vampire lords through the centre. Neferata, I think, brought up a bit too early. Um, I was able to um, take her out through just mortal wounds and um, and spells. Just eventually, I just took her off, uh, I think, my second turn. Um, and then there was some terrain pieces there that was kind of uh, working against uh, getting his, um, his vampire lords to get in and really do what they needed to do uh so but then it just sort of came down to jewels with the the more gas just clearing off clearing off the left um so i was able to it sort of jumped over kept on jumping over to that side so then i just sort of pushed over and was able to just take those back um got rid of all the chain rust on that side the mortise engine like he was in a situation where if he let them if he detonated the mortise engine, it was gonna heal me as well. So it was kind of it was a bit neutered during that game and I was able to use his spells. I think I used the blood boil and um yeah, I think I used a couple of his spells. I think I used fading vigor, I can't remember, but um yeah, just kind of systematically then just worked my way through and um, was just taking just taking the toys off uh, through the through the game. Uh, we had a great duel between Nagash and his vampire lord. One of his vampire lords uh, got Nagash, like took Nagash down to I think it was fourteen wounds <laughs> by the end of that combat. And because um, this was the realmscape feature that if you rolled a double when you cast spells, you take mortal wounds and everything around you. I think it was on a four up or something takes a mortal wound as well. So both of us were just like mortally like mortal wounding ourselves. Because uh, he was roll- he rolled he rolled a lot of double ones or like a lot of doubles and stuff uh, for his spells too. So he was hurting himself. Nagash was hurting himself. I think a- Nagash hurt himself when he had like one wound left, and so he was still in combat with the uh, with that vampire or zombie dragon. So I was like, no, nah, I'm getting out. So tact yeah, did a tactical withdrawal of Nagash away from that vampire, and then just send the Morgasts in. And they took care of the um, the other side, and by that stage I was up on points, um, achieved my hidden. And got my tertiary and uh we've we getting gearing up to fight it down to the last turn um for kill points, I guess. And and he said, look, yeah, we'll just we'll just call it there. Um so we got full kill points for that. Um yeah, full kill points, tertiary are hidden and didn't get a single hand of dust off on him that whole game. I did it at three opportunities and he picked the right hand every time. So well done Ben. That was his uh that was his revenge on me, I think. <laughs> Think denying me the, uh, the joy of taking off models if, if, with one spell, but, um, yeah, that no, was a lot of fun and, uh, thanks for the game, Ben. hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to our next one. If, if we ever get paired up again, um, I'm probably not going to bring Nagash next time. I remember Ben was saying he just, he never wants to play Nagash again. <laughs> I think just that moment of picking the, um, the hand was just like, just too, too intense for him, but, um, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that was my game three. So finished up the day on two majors with full points and one minor. So I was on, I was in unfamiliar territory. Like I'd never sort of been in that point in a territory, in a sorry, in a tournament before. So um, I was, I guess I'm um, sort of know how you guys feel most of the time at tournaments when you just keep winning games all the time and stuff. Feels good, eh? Yeah, <laughs> it felt alright. Like I was pretty, pretty um, zonked as well. Like we just played. what well, the rounds were like three hours, uh, three hours, fifteen minutes. 15, or something. Yeah, yeah, three hours, fifteen. So that's like an extra forty five minutes, or half an hour, forty five minutes more than like a two thousand, like a normal sort of game length. Um, so it was like yeah, nine hours of Warhammer. <laughs> so I, I
1: will, I will say it now. I'm never gonna complain about that. And. It's so good that Anthony did that because this yeah. is the first year of two and a half because I've done it all three years that there's been a two and a half K event in Australia. RCGT, the last two, and now Sydney GT. Yep. And the last time, especially last year's RCGT, now the game just takes longer and it was only two and a half hour rounds. Everyone was playing about two two battle rounds and it's just not a game. It's of not Warhammer. a game. Um, no. yeah, there's, and there's I, a fucking I, I said I wouldn't to... do I said I wouldn't do it again, to be honest, if it was only two and a half. So the fact that it was three fifteen was so much better. And actually I got through like nearly all I think I did five turns, five turns, four turns, five turns, five turns across the weekend. So like yeah. I got through all my games. Like you you are there knowing you're gonna have to play quick um to get through, but at the same time, you could do it. Get it done. Um, yeah. and it was it was a good gaming weekend as well as a yeah. hanging out weekend because of having that extra time.
0: Yeah, well that's it. Like I like I I finished all of my games, five turns for all of them. Um except for the ones where we finished before five turns. But um yeah, no, it was good. Fantastic. Um and the hangs was good as well. Like as you were as you were saying, Chris, like um everyone went downstairs for dinner afterwards, which was good. Um went down to the um out, we're sitting outside the table's out there, everyone's just like kicking back with some some drinks and some food and eating ribs and spinning shit. Um that yeah, was good.
2: How about the carnivore platters between Clint and Randy?
1: Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't know why, but I think Clint and Randy decided they were having a a meat contest off, and they each ordered these like ridiculously massive, massive platters that had like mm. ribs, brisket, steak, like everything. And then it was like, in the end, I don't even think it was a competition because they both finished it, and I think <laughs> they were both just like we were like so who's uh, the winner and they were like eh, no one we wore him as the winner yeah. but it looked like, <laughs> it, it looked like Randy was much more comfortable than Clint Clint oh, looked fuck like he yeah. was struggling whereas Randy was just like i'm cool i'm good nom nom <laughs> nom but, um, yeah it was pretty funny
0: but yeah so there's a bit of bit of hangs there I, I cut away after an hour or two but um back to the back to the cabino and um had a couple of whiskeys and then went to bed. <laughs> what about you guys? Where did you where were you staying, Sean?
2: Uh we stayed in fuck me, what's it called? Um, I don't even know. Illwood, I think it is. Is that oh yeah, is that yeah, it's, it's, it's,
0: yeah, that's a suburb near. Is that a place? Is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that exists, yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we hung out at a venue till gosh, I don't even know what time, maybe 10 o'clock. And then we went back, to the, uh, went back to the house and we're like, hey, if anyone wants to come back to the house, and please come along. And people were like, yeah, 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 sure. And I think it was mainly to Queensland lads at that point. And we got back to the house and waited maybe a half hour. No one turned up and we all sort of quietly celebrated because we were so tired. Yeah. At that <laughs> point, we were just like, Randy was like, oh, can you go out? Oh, not can you go out? Oh, I don't know. He was sort of flipping and flopping. I'm like, bro, I crack under social pressure. Twist my arm a little, babe. <laughs> see what happens and we just didn't decide to go out and i think we had maybe like one or two quiet drinks and just like a day one debrief of just like yeah talking i think it's the wise and, thing and, and then, just, yeah and, and then when the topic of what time do we wake up tomorrow came up we were just like Ugh, you know <laughs> sort of you, oh, yeah. you set the alarm and it's like well, i'm so gonna go up in five hours and you're like oh great this is not cool uh, but yeah. we decided we we're going to go do pancakes the next day, so the the lads were keen to get up early in the morning to go do pancakes for whatever reason.
4: So <laughs> okay, we, we it, was, it was
2: it was a long day, it was such a long yeah. day, and yeah. and I'm not sitting here giving shit to like Anthony or anything like that because I think the day needed to be that long. Yeah. But oh Jesus, I love Warhammer, but fuck, that was by the end of it, I was just like, nah, I could quite happily Netflix and chill for the rest of tomorrow. That's fine by me
0: you know yeah you've had your fix of warhammer
2: (laughs) oh yeah exactly and my games weren't even that long but it was just like oh it's just a long day
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah no oh well i don't feel quite as uh like i missed out now because uh yeah i know when you guys headed off i was like oh i i could go back to your house and hang out for a bit more because like yeah obviously this was the first time of actually getting to like meet you guys and as much as i was tired i was like I I can sleep at other times like I just want to kind of hang out if people are going to go back to the house and hang out I want to do that but um because Dan was staying at mine I was like Dan do you want to go he's like no I'm tired I don't like and I was like yeah right fair enough (laughs) so um we went back to mine and then I was like okay well I'm kind of awake now so like should we play Mortal Kombat or something so then me and Dan started playing Mortal Kombat but I haven't played it in like six months at all and Dan's been playing it and he's way better at it than me anyway so we did like three games and he destroyed me every game and I was like it's not really fun is it and he was like mm, no not really and I was like kind of tired now should we just get to bed <laughs> so then we yeah. just went to bed anyway <laughs> but, Well, um, Chris
2: as I told you mate we make plays not excuses Um, yeah. so I don't care that you're not practiced with Mortal Kombat you know you've got to make plays <laughs> um, yeah
1: I, I but... was like I literally can't kind even of remember the buttons so I'm just button bashing and that game is not designed to work as button bashing and uh yeah dan dan destroyed me um, Um, which i was expecting to be fair
2: understandable dude again like as much as i love warhammer and want to consume as much of it as i can after that day one i was just like i'm cooked and i've probably played like maybe a half maybe two thirds as much warhammer as you guys um because it was a friday night the same thing it was like we're only here for a short time we'll just stay out as long as we can And then we had the lads come back Friday night, and it was good, and it was good fun. But then by the end, I was just like, oh, fuck off. I want to go to sleep, you know, sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then Sunday, we did the same thing. We set up really late, and then the next morning, I woke up and I couldn't speak. And um, (laughs) there's a really embarrassing picture of me going around, so maybe I'll send it to you guys. But it was a real bad time. It was a real bad time. I said it. Sorry, not Sunday. Sunday night, Monday morning. Yeah, it was was, anyway. Back to Warhammer, maybe.
0: Yeah, do you want, do you want, well, should we go into um, – do you guys want to take a break or just keep keep playing through into the fourth game's last day?
2: I'm um, easy. Oh, Chris, I know you are.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so day two. Um, so the draw came out over, overnight on Saturday night, and um, I was paired up against uh, my lovely co-host Tubby. And me and Tubbs had like very minimal talk about this game beforehand. He thought I was going to win it easy. And to me, it was just like a race to kill his hero. So Tubby has a Hagnar list. He has uh, a Shrine and Marathi, a couple of Hags, 30 Sisters, 30 Sisters, 10 Witches, 10 Witches, five Renders, five Renders, and then a Salisant Prime. I think it was off the top of my head. Um, I've played Daughters about four or five times. And, I've always won unless I've played Tubby, which is about half the time i played Daughters as well. So against his Daughters, I think I'm two, 2 but against every other Daughters, I think I'm like 3-0. Um, so I had an idea. We were playing Focal Points, lads, looking for confirmation,
3: maybe? Yep.
2: Yep. Yep. Sweet. Playing Focal Points, and um, I outdrop drop Tubby. As I said, I will drop everyone. Um, I deploy because you're only 18 inches away in this mission, I sort of deployed some stuff c- closer to the line. I was trying to... I was always going to go first in my mind, uh, and there's a couple of reasons for this, but I was trying not to hard sell it. I was trying not to telegraph it to him so that he just deployed everything away because I was ideally wanting to get as much shooting with the hero phase shooting been within 24 as I could. Um, and then we finished deployment, and I went first and Tubs I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And I was like, cunt, I'm like on the line. How, how do you not see that? Seriously. But besides the point, so the reason I went first is because I wanted to put three wounds on Morathi because I knew he was going to transform him, and then when he transforms her, she goes to six wounds in turn one. So she's half dead at the end of the first turn. And then assuming he doesn't get her into combat, then, you know, I'm only going to do three wounds, a battle round to her, which is what happened. He never got her into combat, and I killed her in turn three um, because... I never got the chance to hit her in the bottom of my turn, essentially. Um, The reason I took the turn is I wanted to put as many wounds as I could onto his cauldron. And I knew the cauldron was going to be a hard takedown, but I assumed with two or three shooting rounds, and by rounds I mean like hero phase and shooting phase, I would be able to do it. And what Tubby had done, which I didn't realize, is that he had uh, Griffo... Griff feather Chump. So minus he was minus two. one to hit. Yeah, so he's minus two. So I'm hit on fours, really only ones at the best. He also put the Shrine on um, in, in Scenery on a mystical piece of Scenery. Okay. So, he, so he, he was a minus two. Before Rend, he was a three up, and then he was a five up, five up, six up. Um, so at the end of the first turn, I had killed 10 Witches, I believe, because they were out in front. And I had done three wounds to Morafi, and then I'd done I think seven wounds to the shrine. Uh, then, and I'd scored four points because focal points, so I scored my two in the middle two. Then he went, and he scored four points. And then um, I, he had thirty sisters that just pushed right up into my army. And at this point, it was ugh, if he won priority, it wasn't I was going to lose the game but he would have taken off a lot of my army um, because I'd set up, again, like sort of multiple screens to get to my long strikes. And I'd pinned my long strikes in a corner about 30 inches from his shrine. And he didn't move his shrine because he was quite heavy to sit there. And essentially the game went, for the first two turns, I sunk a lot of shots into his shrine. And I eventually killed it in the second turn, which in my mind was longer than what I was expecting. And we had a discussion about this afterwards because he had 30 sisters in front of it. And there was at one point I was like, fuck it, I'm going to shoot the sisters. And I must have taken off about 18 of the sisters or so. And had I done that in turn one, focus on the bodies instead of the shrine that was given in the buffs, then I probably could have stopped him from scoring some points early in the game because it's a body game and focal points because he's got Harrison at the back of the board who I wanted to... Buff his army, you know, he's got his Witches who just want to stay within 3 inches and give him Witch Brew. Then he's got a Shrine who he needs to be... Because it's not even Holy Within, it's just Within. like And it's worth profile, I think it's like 4 or 5 inches, which is like massive when you can string it at a unit of 30. Um, I kill his Shrine in turn 2, I believe it is. And then in turn 2, he starts scoring more points. I mean, turn 2, he starts scoring 6 points. And then turn 3, he starts scoring... Um, I win the priority. I kill a bunch more stuff, but he still scores, skill, uh, he still, he still scores six points. So at the bottom of turn three, uh, I believe he's six points ahead of me. Then he wins a double. He goes 12 points ahead of me into turn four. He drops the Salicent Prime, which I thought he was going to come for my long strikes, but he dropped it on a Relictor who was at the back of the board trying to score hit one of his deployment zone objectives. And, and this is quite big because the obvious bait is that he goes for my long strikes, which is one thing that Toby does very well. He plays the mission. He doesn't play the army. And I was thinking, all right, if he comes into my six long strikes, that's more or less game. But I'd also zoned the long strikes. He was units like nine inches in front of the long strikes. So he would have to drop about 18 or 20 inches away from my long strikes so he could mortal wound him with his little comet stick in a turn, but he couldn't charge him in a turn. Because if he's gonna charge him, he's just, you know, ran free, free damage. He's gonna take unit off. So he wins the double going from the bottom of turn three into the top of turn four. He goes twelve points ahead. And at this point, I'm just like I'm just gonna go to the toilet for a minute, mate, because I need to like I need to go to the loo. And also I just need to reset my head. I need to have like two minutes thinking about the mass of the game. Because I was going to score six points, which was going to put me six points behind. And then I had a turn to score eight points and a turn to not allow him to score any points, essentially. So just taking like a minute or two away from the table, we, we still had, I think, 45 minutes at this point in my head. Ivan painted a very good picture. Pretty much he had 30 sisters of Slaughter in the middle of the table as well, who was scoring the middle objective and one of my objectives because he was just outbodying me. But then, sort of as the game progresses, his army reduces and my army stays about the same. Um, so it gets to a point where I need to shoot off his 30 sisters and I teleport across the board with my long strikes seven inches away from his prime. Because when I teleport with my Aquila, I can go seven inches away. Um, but they set up wholly open six of a board edge, which means I teleported towards one of his home base objectives but I couldn't score it because I had to be wholly open 6 and the object was like 12 inches on from the board. If if what I just said is wrong, it doesn't matter because that's how we played it. Uh, That's what we're doing because, you know, focal points is that sort of funky deployment where it doesn't give you measurements. It just says it's 18 inches from the middle. And I went... I shot my long strikes into his sisters and I shot like two of them into the prime because I didn't want to kill the prime at range. And this is where this is one area where I fucked up because going into the bottom of turn four, I'm twelve points behind. I can easily score six points. The most points you can score is eight points. The way I score eight points is I have to charge his prime in combat because his prime was on the objective. And I have to kill it in combat to score it. And that way I score eight points. That way I go four points behind. However, if I just shot off his prime which I could have easily done because I sacrificed units in that I sacrifice models in that unit not to shoot. Um, in my mind I had to keep the prime alive because I had to charge it but I could have shut it off and then if he won priority he would have only scored one point because he sort of been capping that one objective which would have put him um, it would have put him seven points ahead But and then in the last turn I would have scored eight points and I would have won the game by one point but it didn't matter in the end I charged into the prime with my Aquila. I did I think two wounds to the prime and then the prime just swatted him because that's what the prime does you know, when he's on seven attacks, freeze to hit, re-rolling ones because he had a command point, on twos, rend free, free damage, flat, just swatted him. But had Tubby won the priority, and because I'd left the prime alive, the prime could have zoomed over to the middle of the board and scored two points and then won the game. Because that point, at that point, he would have been three points. Sorry, I've got all these numbers in my head. He would have been three points ahead of my eight, so we would have been 11 points ahead, so I couldn't have won the game at that point. So I am I made a mistake by not killing the prime. However, it didn't matter. I won the priority, and I tabled him when I won the game. But um, he put a lot of pressure on me. He was surprised at how long his army stayed around. I think my, pri- my target priority was a bit off in this game. I felt like I could have... I probably should have gone for the bodies more than the buff pieces in this instance, but my previous bias to playing daughters is that every time i've beaten daughters i've always taken off the heroes especially to shrine because the shrine's giving them all the plus one to save and the immune battle shock and all that sort of um and then the shrine is like the the shrine's no pushover in combat as well so i wanted to remove that whereas given the mission i should have had better situational awareness to maybe remove the bodies early on because at the end of the day the shrine was only one unit and my arm is very msu so you know, I could have used the birds to move around and set different points on the objective and, and physically made it impossible to pile into two different units in the combat phase while having multiple units scoring the objective. So um, it wasn't the best play by me, but also at the same time, like Tubby normally beats me more often than I beat him, so he was definitely in my head during that game. Um but I won it in turn five. Tubbs was soaked for me. I was just sort of like, fuck, I got a headache now. I need to go have some water sort of thing. So no, it was it was a good game. Hazami was very resilient. It was a very movement intensive game and I'm not sort of giving it the praise it deserves, but it's sort of hard to I have a hard time being like a verbal artist. You know, I can't really sort of draw pictures with my with my words on a board, so to say. Um, but no, it was, it was a great game. I love playing Tubby. I play him many Saturday a week. He's, it's 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 very tactical. Um, the guy's never phased at losing units because he always seems to have something in, in the back of his mind. So yeah, that was. And the secondary was to, I believe it was to score your opponents. Was it score your opponents' objectives or have we already done that one? I can't remember.
1: Uh, uh, it I'm was sure score three. <clears throat> it was hold three objectives. And you got of the two yeah. if it was at the end. You got the two if it was at the end of the game. You hold three and the two, the two of them two in, the in, in your, opponents. your opponents. Yeah. So that was a really hard one, unless you yeah. were someone that tabled your opponent, basically. Yeah, to, yeah. So dominate to, to get that.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So and, and it's I mean, <sighs> this sounds like a broken record, and I sound like a bit of a cock, but that's like essentially what Miami does. Is it's got like a massive high aggro output. And I don't lose a lot of units during the game. Like I think the most kill points I gave up during the whole tournament was maybe like seven or eight hundred, because for the most part people are just killing birds or they're Which killing is basically
1: just birds and hunters. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's birds or hunters and maybe naziros, and and that's like literally it. Because I got five hundred points of battalions, but I've also got like six hundred points in long strikes, and then a couple more hundred points in, in heroes. So my army doesn't give up a lot because normally mm. I. Distance myself between me and my opponent's army, but in a mission like focal points where I had to go get it. And also Tubby had me like very concerned because I was always aware that his prime could just drop down and delete my unit if I gave him the opportunity. Which on another day I might have given him that opportunity, but I was stressing about it. So I was I was aware enough to not give him that opportunity. But yeah. That was a great game. I, I very much enjoyed it and will
1: always play that man again. So beautiful. Yeah, nice. Shame that you have to shame that you have to knock one of you out though, like uh, that's the only thing that always sucks about playing a friend at a tournament because it means one of you is gonna knock the other one out. Generally,
2: yeah, like in New Zealand we wouldn't give a fuck, we'd just talk a lot of shit and we'd just be like, yeah, fuck you, blah blah blah, you know, and, and all that sort of crap. But going away to Australia was slightly different because, um, yeah, because you don't want to knock out a bro, but like at the same time. On the on the Sunday morning, me and him weren't feeling overly fresh, and we we're just like, "Hey, do you just want to have a coffee and like eat into the first ten minutes of the round?" And he was like, "Yeah, no worries." I was like, "Sweet, love it." You know, because you've got that rapport. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like swings and roundabouts. You know, like y- y- yeah, there's it, it sucks that we had to play and one of us could advance, but also at the same time, it afforded us to be able to go do other shit that you might not be able to do with a different opponent. You know, yeah. like. During his movement phase, I just fucked off. I was like, Yeah, I'm going to go get a drink. Do you want one? He's like, Yeah, sure. And then I just bugged it off for 10 minutes. Came back and he told me what he'd done. I was like, Okay, cool. Whatever. You know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, normally I do that anyway, but more so for tubs, I'm just like, I, I don't care. You know, do your runs, like, whatever. You just tell me what they are. I don't mind. You know, do your hero phase. I don't care. Cast your spells, whatever. Tell me what I need to remove. It's, it's all good. You know, like, I just, <laughs> yeah, we, we have that sort of rapport. So,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. Pros and cons. Suck to knock out a bro. Great to play bro, though. Yeah. Yep.
0: Chris, where's well, your um, fourth game?
1: So I was playing Kent Howe with his Nighthorn army, um, which I was like, ah, 155 wounds of, like, ethereal bodies that, yeah, I don't have a lot of <laughs> bodies um, on in one where you have to spread your army out a lot. And I have an army that doesn't really like spreading out that much. Um, so, yeah, I basically quite quickly was like, if I'm going to have any chance at trying to win this game, it, I'm going to have to go to five rounds um, because I knew it was going to be a he was going to be up early. I would probably kill through him. And then it was going to be a case of could I do enough? Um, and yeah, basically. First turn of the game, he he had chain rasps and everything up and. Um, He made me go first, which I was expecting because he outdropped me. Um, So I just pushed up my basties and everything onto the middle objective, Um, just kind of slung 10 skinks on one side um, and five of my saurus guard just tailing out to the other side so that I'd at least get the four points on the first turn. Um, And, yeah, just kind of kept my defensive bubble in the middle and was like, I'm going to try and hold the middle. Um, I knew I wouldn't be able to hold my side objectives. I kind of hoped he'd – because he had 30 Grimgasts he put in the underworld, a Linda. Uh, a knight of shrouds 12 myomorns he put in the underworlds. so and then he had 60 chain rasps nine spirit hosts a black coach guardian souls and spirit torment on the table um so they were kind of in lines on his objectives um that were then going to push towards the middle and then he had 30 Grimgasts and the Knight of Shrouds pop up on one side of the board and then 12 Maimorns and Alinda pop up on the other side of the board um, and charge onto my objectives Um, and he made his charges with the Grimgasts and with Alinda in uh, uh, the Grimgasts on one side and the Maimorns on the other and took my um, took my objectives off me on both sides so first turn he scored um, all eight, because also I hadn't been able to run my Basties so far that I could just stop him moving chain rasps to within six of the objective to have more bodies, so he was smart, he didn't even engage me or try and charge me, he just put more bodies within six, so first turn he scored all eight points um, and yeah, basically this game was like, I was just going to take forever to try and get them back, um, basically and still, and then also try and push for his um, so at the end of turn three, he had 25, it was 25 to 9 to him. So I was like, it's the end of round three. I'm 16 points behind. The maximum you can score in a round is eight points, and I've got two rounds left. So I was like, the maximum points I can score for the rest of this game is 16, and I'm 16 behind. So what has to happen now is I have to get this turn, I have to get all of the objectives and I have to keep them for the rest of the game and then win on kill points. So that's what I did.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so casual.
1: <laughs> um, it, that, it was so, like, that That game was so fucking good. Like, towards the end, like, I was having to speed through it, but I was like, okay, this has to happen, this has to happen. Like, I su- I'd summoned Ripidactyls the first turn and just kept them back and kind of screened them off, and I was like, okay, I'm going to teleport those onto his objective, but where he'd moved his spirit so he only had one in range so i was like okay i'm gonna put them there so i've got three bodies even if i fail the charge on my second turn which i did i'll take the objective and then i was like okay i've got the priority now he had cogs which he'd sped up time so i had the extra movement and stuff from his cogs as well um and then i was like okay so those rippers have got that objective I can then fly them 16 inches across, charge into his unit of 20 chain rasps that he's got in a circle around his. And because of the base sizes, the Rippers are on 50s, but chain rasps are on 25s. So that's just under three inches. So if you base to base on the charge with a pile in, because you fly, you can pile in over his screen and then get the models within range of six. And Rippers are good against uh, infantry. Um, and then I also had managed to put 20 skinks in, which made their charge and they could just pile in to also get bodies. Um, so yeah, it came to the point on the third turn where I was like, okay, I have to kill off these Grimgasts. So I like charging the Grimgasts with two engines. Um, and I'd like got the basti. I teleported a basti over to go and deal with a Linda and the myrmorns, Um, and I was still holding the middle. I charged the Slan in t- and the Eternity Warden into his spirit hosts. Um, literally I was just like everything has to go in and charge and charge and charge. I was like, this has to go here. This has to go here. This has to go here. Um, and like just making all these plays, I fucked up with my slan on the fourth turn. Cause I was rushing that I was meant to use my summoning points to just put 10 skinks back onto his objective that was behind his spirit hosts. Cause I'd had to move the ripodactyls off it um, because I knew if I didn't, as soon as the smart thing to do, as soon as it's his turn is he'd just retreat. Oh, so this was in round three, sorry. So he'd just retreat his spirit hosts back onto it to get the point back, which he did. And that's what put it to 25. But in my round three, I could have just put skinks on it, which meant he couldn't do that. And so then I actually would have been, I would have been able to win the game on a major by three points instead of drawing it. But I did manage to kill everything I needed to. And I took all the objectives turn four and I held them. He wasn't able to take them off me. And I tabled him on my turn five. So I held everything and I won on kill points on a minor win. Um, and yeah, Kent was great. Like he let me go. I'd already said what I was going to do with the Rippers and then I, I'd i forgotten to move them. And then I'd like moved on to the shooting phase. And I was like, oh, fuck, I needed to charge. I needed to move the Rippers. And he knew it was big and he was like, oh, should we, should we dice for it? And I was like, that's fair. You're letting me like letting me do anything is fine. So because I've forgotten it. But it is big, so we diced for it, and I won that roll off, so I was able to move them and carry on. And so that's when then we when we got to the summoning bit, and I was like, oh, shit, I forgot to summon. He was like, I can't help you out with that. I was like, it's fine. I'm not going to ask you to because, yeah, I get it. Um, and then there was a moment where he removed the wrong model from his Grimgasts um, for Battleshock. He had one left, but he had the one left. He'd piled it round my engine, so it wasn't within six of the objective. And I don't know if he'd seen it because I think my engine was in the way so he didn't he if he had i think he would have removed that instead but i think he thought the whole unit was dead um so then when we came to it and it was the next round i was like oh you've got one there he was like oh oh that last turn i would have taken off a different casualty then from casualty removal and then i would have held it and i was like oh yeah but um yeah so we both kind of had like things mess up that could have won us like the game either way um But, yeah, he he was really good, and he said, like, it was a really fun tactical game to play. Like, he said it was probably his most fun game to, like, watch, and he said, like, I did really well to pull it back. He was, like, it was really cool seeing, like, me just stop at the end of three and go, okay, what's the score? Okay, so that means... The only chance i have to win this game is to and just to stop for a few minutes and kind of actually add up the points and work out what it meant i had to do so then that meant i had to plan everything for going okay this is what i have to do to try and win um and yeah doing that and then actually managing to do it and yeah it was a minor not a major but it was really really rewarding to be like okay this sounds ridiculous but i'm gonna try it and then i did it <laughs> so it was really fun um and i managed to get both my secondary and my tertiary because i tabled him by the end um so i got the tertiary for hold the three objectives and my secondary was that was slay so that was kill his highest points character that wasn't his general which was a linda so every time i rolled the engines and i was just going laser beams and trying to mortal wound her i got it and i rolled three ones and i was like are you kidding me every single one of these is d6 mortal wounds which elinda hates and i was just like okay d6 one d6 one and he was like i'm really <laughs> sorry and i was like for god's sake she should be dead but oh, i did manage i did manage like... so that's why i had to teleport basti over and then go make a charge i've sped forward cogs made a charge used the snakes and then managed to kill her in the second round of combat with snakes but i was like fuck's sake i could have been using these engines to shoot Grimgasts and stuff it would have been so much better but um <laughs> Yeah, it was a really fun game though. So thanks for that, Kent. And yeah, it was it was really good. Um and I, I was surprised to be able to get a win in that game, to be honest. Cause yeah, first round basically was how I thought that game was gonna go. Was he was gonna have bodies on every single objective <laughs> and I was just gonna lose. Um so yeah, no, it was really fun. Really tactical, it was really good.
0: Nice. So my fourth game was uh I drew up against uh with, with uh Dan Brewer, who had his Tomb Kings, so uh, grand alliance death army <clears throat> so he had uh tomb king tomb king on exalted chariot aka high queen Kalida. hashtag proxy etc um he had tomb king tomb herald necrotech lich priest lich priest um he had legionnaires skeleton horsemen uh, you know six skeleton chariots the six necropolis knights 15 tomb guard and six ushabti so um yeah so we're playing focal points no yeah it was focal points and this game was kind of like i knew that, okay if, if i can pull out a pull a win out of my ass with dan here i'm on like a good good footing to like you know be at least be in the top 10 <laughs> in this tournament so um, i was a little bit nervous because i know dan's a very good player and i've played dan tons over the years and um we always have fun, so just casual games anyway. So I thought I'll just try and ignore all the the noise going inside my head, and just treat it like it's just we're just playing in my living room, and just um just have some fun. So yeah, we went ahead and and um and we did that. And he had he's got this spell where he can I think he gives it double movement, and they can run and charge. So he was able to sort of get his snakes around the back of on my left and um he was able to take my back right objective and, and start scoring up. And in the meantime, my archive were in the centre, just like battering everything that he was throwing at it. But he was, you know, Dan with his positioning and everything, um, not allowing me to, to pile in and get to maximise the attacks, and all that sort of thing. So, like, yeah, the way Dan positions and uses his uh, units is very, very, um, I suppose you could say, like tactical, precise, Um Knows like very intentional. Everything he does is very intentional. Um, but yeah, he was able to start scoring up, and there was a point in the game where yeah, I was like, I was, I was using his um, spell, which is the righteous sm- smiting spell, on the archai which were giving them exploding sixes, so an extra attack um, on a roll of a six. And yeah, they were battering the center. Um, I think in one round of combat, they did like a total of like something like sixty damage to the chariots. I think there's only like three of them left by that stage, but yeah, sixty damage went through. Um, so I was able to eventually take the center, and I'd, al- I'd always had the one in on my bottom right. Um, and there was a point in the game where, you know, I had to. I was pushing forwards, and I was like, I was like thinking, okay, if I can go to the left, oh, so if I can go to my right and try and claim the t- the opposite, I'll still be in the game for another turn. But I kind of got a little bit distracted because I thought, well, I can just go to the left as well and try and cap another one and kind of had this moment of, of indecision. But um, I rolled for the charge to see because I need to basically just need to get Neferata in there to sort of take care of the tomb Garden and then swarm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I rolled a double one on the charge so it didn't go my way. Um, and then, yeah, with his tomb, like with his Cetra, his hashtags pro- proxy Cetra, um, he's got the whippy cloak. So uh what's that one do? That's the one that uh the start of the combat phase, he gets an extra movement, so it's a cloak of mist and shadows, he can move it's 12 such inches. a good
1: artifact. It's phenomenal. so
0: he, he, he can just pick and choose his um combats. Like if you like I just didn't even bother charging him, like because I know that if it would just be getting models away from where I want them to be, and he's just gonna move away. I'm not gonna be able to hit him anyway. So it's just he was using that tactic to great effect and just, um, yeah, doing that all around my back, run, back lines, wreaking havoc. And, um, yeah, then then came the great showdown between um, Nagash and uh, Tim King on Exalted Chariot. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say Cetra versus Nagash because it wasn't Cetra. Um, and so, yeah, for sure enough, he went in and he had, like, the extra pile in and uh, with red, uh, red Fury and... All that sort of thing. So yeah, sure enough, um it took it took uh, Nagash off in this mighty um combat and that was the first time Nagash was taken off in the in the tournament. Um didn't get any hand of dust off on him. I did get one through but he's got uh, an auto unbind on one of his uh, I think it's the Necrotect or
1: both the Lich Priests have Lich one auto Priests have
0: one one yeah so he had two up his sleeve and he, he used one for the first one. And he's just like yep yeah, you can go go yep yeah, you can have that. You can have that. And then it's like, okay, Henry Dustin. He's like, yeah, you can have it. I'm like, what? And he's like, hold on, bind. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. Oh. So he, he had me bent over over the table pretty much. And um, yeah, he smashed me on points. I took off. At, like a shit ton of his models, with those um archive and just the general sort of combats and things. But yeah, just the snakes. They're bringing back the snakes. His um like his skill with that army and just his skill in general. Like he was playing them like he plays his uh, his Skaven. So he's playing Tomb Kings like Skaven, pretty much. So which is very a very damn thing to do. But um you know it was it was pretty intense, and I must say I was pretty crestfallen when Nagash was finally taken down. Um, there was a moment when I thought he said that he'd forgotten to use the command point to get the um, reroll ones to hit. And um, I thought he was doing, like, a little sneaky take his backsies. And I was like, uh, no, I'm not happy with that. Like, I was just, like, just started, this rage started welling up. And I'm just like, no, no. I was so, it was, like, so intense. And there's, like, he was saying, no, I, I, what I meant was, or like when I didn't actually hear him say properly was that, He wished he'd done that, and I thought he said no. He was just going to do that, and I was like, "It's supposed to do at the start of the combat phase. I'm not happy." And so I was like, kind of getting into this mode where I was just like, "Yeah," starting to get angry, and then he had you on
2: tilt, man. By the sounds of it,
0: oh man, I was. I was getting, I was cranky. I was, I was getting cranky, and he'll, he'll, he'll testify. He said it. He said I was fine. Like, you know, it was, it was just funny. I think. But um, he
1: he told me what he did with Cetra and just heroes to just completely new to your archive and yeah, just that using the using the cloak to stop you piling in. And he was like, I was just feeding him a shitty hero every turn. And yep. um, yeah, I can get, I get how that would be frustrating. So
0: yeah, but it was just like the um, <laughs> yeah, just because I, I I thought that he had. Decided just to give himself real ones to hit in that combat, and I was like, no, that, that's not going to fly. But no, what he actually meant was that he'd forgotten to, and he wished that he had, and he just mentioned that, and because he talks really fast, and um, I can't always understand what he's saying, <laughs> um, and especially in, especially in that sort of scenario when it's like quite intense,
1: and yeah, but <laughs> it was it was funny. But yeah, he he kicked my ass. Blood rage on. is pumping.
0: Oh, the blood rage is Your up. Your
1: vision's turning red.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nagash was di- Nagash was getting killed and then, then like Liam and and came over. it's like you have to kneel, you have to kneel. And I'm like, I'm not fucking kneeling, fuck off. Like, I just
1: <laughs> I refuse to kneel to, to that. Forget so having forget Setra having red fury. James is like, I've got red fury. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But I mean it's pretty funny. And I I apologize profusely to Dan because like, you know, we've never had a moment like of contention like that in our games before it's always been just fun and casual. But I think like my mindset was different cause I was on three wins. i would never been in this place before. So I was just like thinking, Oh, maybe I can beat, maybe I can beat Dan, you know, like maybe, maybe I can like go five, five and Oh, you know, like, so I was getting a bit ahead of myself and I paid the price pretty much.
1: <laughs> you're seeing the mythical, you're seeing the unicorn. And you are seen the unicorn. It.
0: Yeah. The great white Buffalo. But, um, <laughs> So yeah, but um, yeah, I I did apologize to him, like yeah, very clear with our, know, yeah, resolution there. But it was he was like, no, nah, you're fine, don't worry about it. <laughs> so yeah, it was funny. But yeah, that was my that was my fourth game, my first loss of the tournament, uh, major loss. Um, I don't think I got any secondaries in that. I think I got like two two tournament points or something maybe, um, three tournament points. So I think I got a tertiary and and one a one point. One point tertiary, and I got my hidden, hidden agenda as well, which I can't, for the life, life of me, remember what that was now. So, but yeah, thanks, Dan. <laughs> it was, uh, it was good.
1: Right. So it set me it set me
0: up mentally. It set me up mentally for the last game. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> was on the back foot. fifth fifth game, Sean. You you playing? Yeah, yeah. Did you think at this point you were playing for the like to win the event? Oh uh, like you, you'd, miss, you'd missed you'd missed the tertiary or whatever. Like what was your mindset? What were you thinking?
2: Yeah. So the mindset going into it wasn't so much because I was always two points behind the leaders and like Matt and Charles, who were ahead of me going into round five, was they were they were like pantsing everyone they came across. So I was thinking the mindset prior to the game was I'll probably be playing table two, maybe table three at the worst, and I'm probably looking for, like, a second or third place is what the mindset was at the time. And then I saw that I was playing Maddie from New Zealand as well, and I was like, oh, fuck. Came all this way to play Australia's best, and I play a couple of Kiwis on day two. That's fine. Um, You know. Australia's best. (laughs) Oh, that's that's because I was, like, submarining, because I was, like, minus two points behind the guys. But yeah, I, all I knew was uh, round five was Knife to the Heart and it was plus one Ren. So I was looking at like Ren free on my shit. So I was pretty happy about that on the shooting because it was Flaming Arrows. So I was like, cool. The first time I'm going to pay attention to a Realmscape feature. Um, Funny that. Yeah, I mean, me and Tubbs had talked about it the night before. And, and Tubbs was like adamant the whole time. He was like, if you beat me and you win your last game, you're going to win the tournament. And I was like, no, I don't think I will. You know, because I've dropped a couple of points, and I don't foresee the other guys dropping any points. Uh, spoilers, they did, but whatever. Uh, so the mindset was like, I'm playing for a GW trophy for one of, like, the second or third place, depending on paint and all that sort of shit. So that'll be interesting. So I, I at, at the time, I'm just thinking, I want one of these trophies. So we're playing knives at the Heart. Um, we're playing on table one because there was a mix-up, like an admin mix-up with the tables. So table one was actually table five, I think it was. Like Matt and Charles were playing each other, which was correct, but they were playing on the wrong table. So when I got to the table, Matty was like, Oh, you're playing on table one? I'm like, No, bro, like we're not actually table one, like calm down, settle down. You know, it's, <laughs> we're not that we're not that cool. Um, playing to the heart, Matt's playing a Zen Chami. it's not a change host, but it's like an old school Zen Chami with 15 enlightened, a lot of change, some horror, some acolytes, um, blue scribes, some. Upper filler units, I can't recall exactly. Uh, it was probably the most cagey two turns I've ever played in my life. So, I gave I deployed, uh, so because of how knife to heart works, you're only 18 inches away, but because of like the little L shapes you essentially get, or the reverse L shapes, I guess you could say, for your deployment, I just put everything in the corner. Um, Matt won the roll off, and there was this massive piece of overgrown terrain which he took but half his army flies and overgrown doesn't apply if your army flies so he took this side and then the opposite side was a nice piece of commanding terrain for me so I promote and it was literally in the corner of the board so I set up my whole army behind this piece of terrain um, I give him the first turn he has portals so I know he's got like a like a 30 uh, technically it's a 36 inch range but then when you set up you know the portals, an yeah. inch away from the Keeper of Secrets is like another inch there and then the portal's base itself is, you know, like another two, two inches, so I'm deploying everything about 40 inches away to make sure he's not in range and then he, I give him the first turn and he pretty much just like summons portals uh, I think he summons cogs maybe, he moves some stuff around and then he gives me the turn um, I teleported six long strikes onto um, okay, so he, I should say this probably first, so On his short deployment side, so his deployment side closest to my objective, he put nine enlightened in a lot of change. And then he moved his stuff around in the first turn. He goes, can you just measure that there's not like a gap for you to deploy in this little box that he's carved out for me? And I looked at him, I was like, you motherfucker. Like, there's a perfect, like, probably like 14 by 14 foot box for me to put my army in. Because when I teleport to board edge, I can go seven inches away. I was like, my army's getting in there. And he was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll stop. I won't do that. That's fine. Sort of thing, you know. Um, So he moves his stuff around, and then he gave me the turn. So I jump over to the other side of the board where he had, I think, like 10 Pink Horrors and 3 Enlightened, and I just shut him off the board, as my army does. We roll off a priority. I win the priority. I give him the priority because I'm still out of his spellbox range. And again, he just sort of cagely moves towards me. Uh, he had 20 Pink Horrors and I think another free enlightened, and, and like maybe a Blue Scribe unit. It was like a, a, a hero on disc. Yeah, I think it was Blue Scribes because I'm rerolls. And they moved down the middle of the board. So like in a straight line from his objective to mine. And then on his objective, he just has 10 Acolytes. And out of that, out of the 10 acolytes, he maybe has maybe like two or three of them on the objective within six inches. So he plays a KG turn. And then I just said, okay, I'm going full out aggro. And I'm hoping I win the priority roll so I can end this game. So he's brought all this stuff into my sort of 24 inch kill box for hero phase shooting and then um, subsequently shooting phase shooting. And I just blow off like two thirds of his army i I think by the end of that turn he had nine enlightened which is like still a massive threat and he had a lot of change and collectively they were about maybe about 23 24 inches away from my objective they were outside of the 18 inch magic box but they were easily in charge range and he had a six and a five in his destiny pool so he was his enlightened were going like 29 inches regardless of what happened if he won the priority roll, that's what was happening. They were coming in, and there was nothing I could do about it. Um, however, I blow off this big line between my objective and his because when you draw in a straight line, it's in like 30 inches away, or so it's not that far. Um, so I do this, and I give him all the summoning points in the world that he could need from the horrors, and then we roll off. I roll a three, and I was like, fuck, because he went first, so he wins draws. He rolls two, and I'm like, okay, cool. I've won the game. And then I said to him at that point, I was like, do you want to play out or do you just want to resolve it now? And he was like, oh, no, we'll play out. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is going to hurt, bro. I'm sorry about this. Mm -hmm. So I I shoot again and just clear off like a couple of acolytes and I teleport my long strikes over, blow off his acolytes that were on the objective. I roll my Pallidors 96 across the board. They roll like a 37. They only needed like a 24 or so. They take the Lord Aquila. Uh, not the Lord Aquila, sorry, the the Knight Zephyrus with him. So there's four guys on the objective. I run um, five of my hunters into his territory as well, which I believe was the tertiary on this one as well. Um, and then the game effectively ends, and now I go, sweet, end of my turn, just battle shock, run my Lord Aquila off the board edge, secret mission, score max points, game over. And he was just like, oh okay <laughs> you know and the game ended in like 45 minutes um wow Sorry. <laughs> but on, yeah so on the reverse i had about 14 or 15 models on my objective and on my objective there was a piece of scenery which was like a decent sort of footprint piece of scenery so a lot of my army was getting three plus saves at this point um it was a entangled piece of scenery so it's like the minus to charge um However, he had and with the Destiny Dice. He would just stay out of the range and just charge into it anyway. I had two units of five Vanguard Hunters, and I think I had two Knight of Zeros. Uh, I had a Lord uh Maybe that was it, actually. I think maybe it was only 13 models, now that I think about it. And my idea was I was trying to... Oh, and sorry, and I had three long strikes on it as well. And the idea was that if I lose a turn, I'm probably going to lose the game. Like, I probably will, because this Lord of Change will just dispel the portal then set it up and someone will summon cogs or whatever and then he'll fire gateway through the portal and just ruin me and like kill one of my heroes or kill one of my units of hunters and then his nine and will just roll over the objective but i was trying to get as many sort of single units onto the objective to make him split his attacks so i was trying to get like an msu style going on the objective i wasn't confident that i was going to defend it but I thought with a little bit of luck and with the seven command points or whatever I had because I commanded, I could not stop rolling fives up for my brooch, that I could make them all re-roll ones to say sort of freeze re rolling ones. But the enlightened, I mean, you know, you guys know enlightened do a lot of damage. um yeah. So we, <laughs> yes. in so su- in, in summary, we both played super kg. You know, I went for the aggro play and I won the priority, and had I not won priority, Matt probably would have won. But we both went sort of cage in aggro. And again, if he won the priority, I think he had like 40 or 50 blue points up his sleeve to summon all the horrors in the world that he wanted. And he has fast heroes, so he can move them up into my face. So um, I just said, look, we're just going to go all or nothing here. I'll lose big or I'll win big. And there really wasn't much more sort of tactics beyond that. I sort of took his weak side out, which allowed me some boardroom to... Move the paladors in the first turn, uh, which is something that I didn't mention, but I moved the paladins up in the first turn so I could try zoom over for the second turn because again he only had a few units on his objective. So I was thinking if they can run over and maybe cap it in turn two, then maybe that will put pressure on him to fall back if I fail. But I rolled up a ninety six move and I rolled like a fucking twelve or it was it was really, really bad move and I just moved him like three inches forward. It was such a bad move. Um But I I got lucky. I got lucky. We both played aggro and I got lucky. And and that was it. And I think by the end of it, I had all but maybe... I I think he killed a unit of Vanguard Hunters and maybe three birds. And I killed like three quarters of his army. All but like a Lord of Change and Nine Enlightened. So, yeah. yeah. And I got the tertiary and my secret and so on. So 5-0 at that point. And I wasn't thinking I won the tournament. But I was thinking... You know podium. a second yeah. place sounds pretty good, and and that's what I thought I was going to have. I, th- I thought Matt Campbell was going to win it mm-hmm. in all honesty, but I guess we can get into that after you guys talk about your games.
1: Yeah, sweet. Um, so my round five, I was against Brogan Clark with his iron jaws. Um, and I was super happy about this matchup because I was like, from a matchup army perspective versus mine, I felt like my army should be strong and also Brogan's a really nice guy. Like he, he's come to slaughter um certainly this year. I'm pretty sure he's come previous years. Um yeah. His Iron Jaws army is beautiful. Um, so I was just like, this is just going to be a good game. And um, yeah, this army, th- this game was just like proved case in point. What happens when my prayers go off, like for reroll saves and Basties against stuff that like doesn't do mortal wounds and doesn't like, it just was ridiculous because um, essentially my plan was I was going to push the three Bastillodons backed up by the priests to keep their re-roll saves prayer up. And I was just going to push the three Bastilodons as quickly as I could onto his objective. So if he wants to stop me scoring it, he's going to have to have all his models there and the snakes are just going to kill multiple units um, and eventually go for it. And, yeah, basically I, I put a little screen of Skinks in front to just take um, in case he decided to go full aggro at me and, like, wow in the first turn because um, he was a one-drop Iron Sun. So I thought potentially he could just 18-inch move. He's got his Iron Fist move. He could spend points, and I thought potentially he could just l- come into me turn one. And because his Mega Boss or more Crusher can do Mortal Wounds on the charge, before I've got my Prairie off as well for reroll saves, my Basties could go down. So I just put Skinks there's a screen in front of my basties to take any initial charge. Um, but it would mean if he did charge me, all three basties are still going to go off at the start of the combat phase. Um, so he played super kg. He basically sent three pigs off down one side, right into the far corner, nowhere near my objective. And I was like, okay, they're going to go score his tertiary for him. <laughs> so um, I was like, that's fine. And then he sent like five brutes up towards me. And the rest of his army basically kind of just moved backwards, like on, like closer to his objective. And I was like, okay. And then, yeah, kind of. He made a charge with the five brutes. Snakes did some stuff. He took off the front. He took off some skinks. I he sent three other pigs into me, um, but just charged the skinks um, and didn't really do much. Um, but there, it was really cagey. And then it kind of got to turn three, and. Because he was just playing KG, I was starting to just summon on twenties of skinks and more models. My first turn, I got a summon off on the engine, so I summoned three ripper dactyls. Because it meant I could put a block toad marker down near his objective or in the middle where we'd probably fight. But I just put, I teleported the three rippers right into his back far corner, like touching the board edge just like he had his More crusher at the back but it was going to mean that something had to go over there and deal with them otherwise i could just fly up and then make a charge onto his objective with three rippers because i was just trying to kind of distract him um i didn't want his more crusher kind of flying over and starting to do stuff while he still had loads of like boys on um brutes on his objective um so i thought you know i don't care about these rippers they're just summoned i'll just chuck them in the back corner because they're fast enough that if it's my turn next they can fly up and start doing damage and actually they might do something but yeah he he took he well he said he wasn't really bothered he said most iron jaws players it would have probably bothered him but he was going to play kg anyway so he just went over and kind of dealt with them with the mega boss but actually the rippers were able to do like three or four wounds to the mega boss which was pretty impressive because he had a ethereal amulet not that they have rend but he also had the trait to give him reroll ones so he was three up reroll ones and he just rolled a few twos so i managed to put like three or four wounds through onto him just with some spare rippers but it dragged him into the corner so it meant it was going to take him another turn to kind of get that more crusher into a useful position or he'd have to spend command points hero phase moving it um which was meanwhile it was just letting me push my basties up but basically it kind of got to the point where i was i'd moved my basties up a bit i ran i pushed up and then he i think it was turn three and he trip he went for a double war which he rolled a 6 on one of them, so it ended up being a triple ward, with his 2 units of 10 Brutes, which he put War Chanta buffs onto both. So he charged in with yeah 2 units of 10 Brutes, triple ward, plus 1 to hit each, and into my Basties, which had 3 up, unrendable, re-rollable saves. And he did a total of 3 wounds. And my Snakes and Basties, and then saurus Guard, over the next 2 combats, just killed all of it. And then... That freed me up in my next turn to then just push the basties in and he was trying to zone me out from six of his objective was what was left so he was literally putting like his mega boss on foot and a war chanter just trying to get them in the way but where he was standing them was within eight of basties so then at the start of combat phases they weren't even involved in i was like cool i'll do four more wins to that one i'll do four more wins to that one and then I just went through them. And then on turn four, I was like, okay, I'm going to push for his objective so that I've got one more turn if it doesn't work. And I, like, teleported with the engine that had the once-per-game laser beam, use that to kill some brutes, um, had 20 skinks, just move up. And then basically on turn four, though, I just made charges with the um, the Bastiladons round the side and the Temple Guard um, made a charge. And then with the damage I did from the engines and the Basties, I actually just killed my way through. The five brutes took off enough models that the skinks had made the charge and I piled in and I had more models than him on both objectives by turn four. He'd never threatened mine. The three pigs he'd sent off to claim the tertiary were kind of running up the side of the board and I was like, then there's no way they're ever going to get near mine. He just left them and he didn't. And yeah, it was a very convincing win for me. And he saw what happens when you uh, have three snake basties re-rolling saves unrendable against iron jaws um because yeah i think they must have tanked like 100 150 damage in that game i just kept making three up saves it was ridiculous he was like <laughs> oh my god and i just killed yeah i just killed my way through his whole army like his more crusher actually never came into the fight because he didn't want it he was like oh it's just going to die from the start of combat but he was kind of like, Oh, well, I need to leave it here to try and zone you off a little bit. So then the snakes were getting within eight inch of range. And I'd done like I think I did eleven or twelve um wounds to it by the end of the game and it hadn't even been fighting me. It'd just been on the fringes of eight and I'd get it a few times. Um so yeah, it it just yeah, it was a pretty one sided game and it just was like this is the strength of my army. Um but Brogan took it like a champ, he was a great guy, and yeah, managed to get secondary and the tertiary and uh yeah big major win on that one so yeah it was a good good way for me to round off the tournament so i had four wins and one loss which i was pretty happy with with that army so it's solid how about you james <laughs> good way to end game five
0: ah uh, well i went um from bad to worse pretty much <laughs> at the end of this tournament so um i drew up with uh, uh mike ruey penny uh sydney local um he had I'd an FD, I'd, Sorry, I'd an FD king with the iron rack so in this he had uh gotrek gurnison so gotrek was benefiting from all the iron rack um yeah, Ardneth, yeah. uh abilities so he had the kilian king um tied caster soul scryer he had uh, two units of three uh, Archelian kilian guard and two units of nine morsar guard and, and ten namati rivers and cogs so um, yeah, we'll set up, uh, we put, i put down my grave sites. He put down his boats. He put one of his boats like right on top of like pretty much right on top of the objective in my, uh, territory, which sort of really hampered me sort of getting models to camp around it. Um, but yeah, sort of put the, put the Morgas on the left in that sort of corner bit there and then, um, set the gash on the right end with the, the Mongol, um, sort of, outlying a bit just to kind of screen off the nine inch um because he he put the unit of nine in the uh reserve they can put some of the reserve um and put a the wraith at the back so i had all the back part of the board all blocked out so he couldn't ambush me from behind but i'd made the mistake of uh deploying the gash too far forward behind the um the wolves so And it, it had been a while since i played against Ideneth and uh, I knew that they, like I knew about the tides and all that sort of stuff, but I just wasn't fresh enough in my mind to realise he was going to go for a massive alpha strike and he had the ability to do it, like with cogs and uh, with his fast-moving eels and all that sort of stuff. So uh, he took the first turn. Uh, first turn came up um, and by this stage I was like, Pretty tired, and I think he was pretty tired too. But I think I was just, you know, like I just my patience was a bit short. Um, the guys in the table next to us were like arguing with each other about their game. And I remember like going over, like after my, this game finished, going over seeing other people playing. There's like, I think, I think everyone was just a little bit tired by that point, and just like I just noticed there was just sort of a bit of uh the usual sort of uh social uh, niceties that we put out of our guards were, were down by this stage. I think people were just like, yeah, <laughs> tired and cranky, but, um, yeah, so I was like being, and just having lost Negash in the last game, I was being a little bitch, uh, towards Mike, Michael. I was like being <laughs> basically like just being really, um, I'm not over the top, but I've been like, uh, like picky with his movement and I was questioning things and I was just being a dick basically and I acknowledged it I was just like I caught myself doing it I'm just like look I'm sorry man I'm being a dick right now so just carry on I I trust you you know um and yeah sure enough he brings the eels on sends he sends go over to couldn't wasn't enough to get him in to combat or anything but um yeah, the nine eels charged across the board, got into the dogs, and they've got that shock thing that goes. It's a three-inch range. So he put the the shocks on all of them into Nagash. And then, he, um, basically, and then it came around to the first round of combat, and he took Nagash off first combat, first round, first turn, and I was just absolutely floored. <laughs> I was just like, I was so like, I just paused and just looked at him and said. Well, done, mate, that was really good, and just like took took him off and put him on the side. But inside, I was just like an absolute like I felt like I was had gone into the underworld <laughs> at that point. Followed Nagash down into Stegix with him, and I just got pounded into the into the underworld with him. But um, yeah. So at that point, it took me a few minutes to really just kind of regather my thoughts and get back into the game. And I I reprimanded myself, and I was just like, stop your dick, get over it give the like, he's come here. He's, he's doing well. He's done the right thing. You deployed wrong. Like stop being a, a dick and, um and give him a good game. That's the, like, that's what you should be doing right now. So I'm like, okay, cool. Suck it up. And um yeah, then I realized there was a little glimmer of light where I, I thought, okay, well I probably could still swing this back in my favor. Um So I set the, sent the Morgas. So he ha- he had first turn. Um, I went second in the first turn. I just moved the Morgast over and consolidated the dogs and the Mongol around my objective. <clears throat> so the plan was to, uh, to send the Morgast over with Neferata and <clears throat> try and take his objective, which was only being guarded by 10 Namati thralls. Um, so I thought I could probably, I might be able to pull this one out. And um, <clears throat> so I went over and uh, won the priority. Um, so I got into his back lines and took his objective in his territory. Um, And I was still hanging on to my objective as well. So at the top of the first, I had both. So at the top of the second, I had both objectives. And I thought all I need to do is just hang out, hang on for this turn and win priority. And I've won the game. And sure enough, he, um, he brought on his eels. um, He brought, and they, they attacked my objective. Um, and then he brought Got- Gotrek back towards his objective to try and bring it back because he was thin on the ground with models and I was crowding him with um, the Morgasts and um, and Neferata. So, um, so he basically, he was able then to come fight back and take my objective at the bottom of the second. So it was one each, I had his, he had mine. And then he won priority... And he just had to take back his objective to win the game. And um, Gotrek got the charge, got in there, and started chopping away, killed Neferada, killed four Morgast Archai and won the game because <laughs> he had, he was, he brought another, he brought his um, king back into range, he brought uh, one of his Tidecaster or whatever into range as well. So he had like three models within range to my two Archai. <laughs> so he won at the top of the second. So it was pretty, it was really close. Like it could have if I could have just hung out that little bit longer um, it could have been back in my favor. But um, yeah. So Mike, if, if you're listening, um, yeah, thanks for being a good sport <laughs> for me being so fucking stroppy and, um, and, uh, and silly at the start of the game, but um, I hope you still enjoy it. And, um, and as you said, as in you know, interactions since you've like, everyone was tired, it was a big weekend. So thank you for being so gracious towards me <laughs> and um, yeah. Uh, we'll see you around the traps, mate. So thanks for the game. And that was my tournament. So th- uh, two major wins, one minor win first day, the dizzying heights of the top tables, and then two crashing crashing down, playing down, and then Michael getting absolutely smashed by um, Ideneth and um, Tomb Kings in the second day with both, in both games, Nagash getting absolutely flattened. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I was truly humbled um, by my opponents on the second day. So... And as is, as is right, because yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not I'm not built to be on the top tables. I don't think. <laughs> I got I got a sniff at it and then um, <laughs> failed <foul> miserably. <laughs> maybe next Maybe next year, <laughs> but I'm playing night next year anyway. So who cares? <laughs> and that was my tournament. Um, took away the a- Age of Sigma AOS influencer award for my hashtags and whatnot leading up to the tournament. I think maybe my um, video, uh, my sort of movie trailer style video of my army might have sort of helped me um, in that direction. But um, yeah, that was sweet. Um, but yeah, I love that stuff for the hype um, in in the lead up and getting on board with that hashtag for Anthony and for the year uh, to pump the event and all that sort of thing. So it's all fun. Like, so yeah, yeah. I was pretty happy to I, win that. Got a sweet found- dice ice rolling tray from um, that he brought back from um adepticon so it's like so i'm pretty i'm super stoked with that that's like that's that's a win massive win for me so yeah so what are you going to say chris oh
1: just i find that, that stuff actually really hard to do just the like social media stuff cuz i had grand plans this weekend to like really try on the like social media stuff and be like posting and just having fun like one thing i forgot to mention was like the whole time the whole weekend um, I was saying to my opponents as I explained my army about like the engine summoning and the Stiladon snakes. I was like, right, we're going to be playing mini games within this game. Cause basically every time I roll my engines, I'm looking for skills cause I'm trying to summon and my skinks are skittle skinks cause they're all painted like skills. Um, <laughs> so I was like, every time I roll my engines, I'm looking for skittles. So I'm like, come on skittles. And if I'd roll a summon, then i'd brought loads of um like mini bags of skills and i'd give my opponent a bag of skills so if i got skills they got skills and then every time i'd like roll my snakes and my basties if i killed a unit i was like okay you got snakes now you get snakes and i had like big bags of jelly snakes as well so i was like i was there with all my like jelly snakes and the skills and stuff all weekend and um (laughs) Like, sometimes I'd remember, but then you're just into it, like, killing stuff, and you're like, oh, fuck, I killed it I summoned it. Like, I'd do it, and then um, like, I think against Jules, we were in the second turn, and I'd summoned, like, three times out of the four rolls, and I was like, oh, shit, you need Skittles, and I just, like, threw three bags of Skittles at him, and then I was like, by the end of the game, I was like, oh, I killed loads of stuff with my snakes, here, have some more snakes, he's like, I don't think I can take any more sugar, because I was just, like, throwing throwing Skittles and snakes at him all game, it was pretty funny. Um... (laughs) But I had all these, like, best intentions of taking loads of photos and making sure I got selfies with all my opponents. Yeah, it's, and, it's hard and to posting do. It. Like... And then I didn't take a single selfie with any of them. I, I got some photos, yeah. but I haven't posted any of them. And I was just, like, I was so, like, I was rushing between the games to, like, pack up my army again and, like, put the skinks back on movement trays and get my army clear so that yeah. when the round time did come up, as Sean mentioned earlier, like I could just grab my stuff and move it to the next table. So I wasn't like beating into someone else's deployment time by packing up my army. Yeah. But I just didn't have any time to focus on anything else. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so draining trying to think about social media at the same time. And I was like, I just can't do it. <laughs> I just can't do it. Yeah. Like
0: I kind of just um, like what I was doing at city GT for that reason was like in their first turn, I just go around the table and just take a whole bunch of photos of armies and the battle sort of thing. And then just put up a post and, like I a mean, then that's it for the round don't think about it after that but um yeah that's that's how i approached it but yeah yeah
2: oh so, well, i totally agree yeah. lads. like i the same as me i always have the best intention to take photos of like every turn and deployment <laughs> and all that sort of shit and it just goes it just goes straight out of my brain as soon as we like set up and start rolling dice i'm just like all right yeah. need to play a game when my opponents don't shut. I'm just going to shut up so they can play their turn and not have me interrupting them and talking to them about shit. Um, on yeah. day two, I took selfies of myself and Tubbs and me and Maddie before our game, but it's because like I know them and like I have a rapport with them, so I was just like, hey, let's just have like a game photo so that when one of us is salty afterwards, you know, at least we've got this photo <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. And, and they're like, yeah, cool, let's do that. Sweet ass. And uh, <laughs> but with my first two games, I said a tie. I took a, I think I took a photo of our game of tie of my game of tie when we deployed and then after my first turn and I was like, I'm just gonna take a photo. He's like, Yeah, whatever. And I was like, Oh, I feel like a bit of a dick now. <laughs> like there's no malice in it. But no, like I I don't get how these players can just like post running commentary of their games and their updates during the games or or like quirky shit that happens. I don't know. I'm just too focused in the game, too invested yeah. in the game to actually like think about pulling out my phone and taking a picture. But I, yeah. I totally agree with the both of you on that one.
0: Yeah, like, I kind of, I, I try to do a little bit, like, do it as much as I can. Um, I, I kind of pull it off a little bit. But, yeah, like, it's, in previous tournaments, I've, yeah, done the whole selfie thing with all my players and stuff like that and done little write-ups and things. But, yeah, this time, I think just the length of the games, length of the tournament, was just, like, the, the brain space, space and the energy itself is just, yeah, less. So there wasn't as much room for that kind of stuff this time. So, but, um yeah, <laughs> it's good fun. Yeah. But that, you know, that's why I'm the AOS, hashtag AOS influencer. Yeah.
1: yeah, So do you feel
0: influenced?
1: (laughs) I think we should, I think we should talk about the final results for Sean. Um, Yes. You're there, you've won your games and then you find out what happens between what happened on Matt and Charles's game. And then what, I think I saw you at the end of the hall. You're like, I think I've won, but like, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything. Until all the results are in, and you're just like pacing back and forth. Like, can <laughs> I celebrate yet? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, how are you, you? How are you feeling?
2: You're not, you're not wrong there, Chris. Like we were. So like me and Matt, as I said, we finished our game really quick. So we went downstairs and we um and and we got a drink and we went outside and had a smoke and then we we're just having a yarn about it and shit. And I was like, oh, cool. I think I got a second. that'd be awesome. You know, one trophy. Super stoked by that. Didn't think I was going to win it and then like the other lads came down and we're just having a yarn and then i just was like refreshing my phone sort of just randomly and matt's result came in and he was a point behind me on game and i was like holy fuck! like what's going on here um so i quickly messaged liam because i was like i don't think the results are before like paint and all that sort of shit so i messaged liam and i was like liam where are you i need to find out my paint school what the fuck? you know and the (laughs) poor guy like, full credit to him. Liam was so sick of me after about five minutes of me talking to him. Because I was like, yeah, I don't want to get my expectations up, but my expectations are like through the roof right now. So if you fuck me on this, I'm going to be so salty. And I have a platform and I will shit you.
4: You know? So,
2: so no, we, uh, me and Liam made to talk about it and it was, it was good. And then um i went back downstairs Ugh, again credits to liam he was such a champ <laughs> but it was so much my shit and then we went downstairs and i was like i think i won but i'm not sure and then i started getting all these messages from like the kiwi lads and um and some like aussie lads who couldn't be able, hayden and so on and so forth and and some other lads from around the spot and then i was just sitting there trying not to be like too smug because this was like maybe an hour and a half before the awards were read and I was thinking, oh, this isn't, you know, don't don't believe it's happened until it's actually happened. And then as soon as Anthony announced it, um, that I won, I was like, all right, I've got like 12 hours to get out of the country. Like, how quickly can I get out of the country with this trophy before he realizes he's fucked up the results? So, you know, I was like, I, I don't care what the results are. As long as I get to New Zealand, they're not getting this trophy back. It's, it's not happening. So, no, and then... And then he announced Matt as the second, and I was like, "Oh, holy fuck! Maybe, maybe this is happening." And then, um and then I won, and I was like, "Oh, it's it's really cool." And I yeah. went and had a chat to the lads afterwards. Um Like the Kiwi lads were super stoked for me. It took. It wasn't until that like smug as fuck photo that Liam took of me on Twitter. Oh yeah, it wasn't until that point until I realised that I had like won, and it was sinking in, and I was just I was super chuffed, but I think. The photo might look at me a bit arrogant, but whatever. Um, and I talked to Matt about his game because I was like, "Yo, what happened?" Like, I I thought you were definitely going to win and so on. And and um, we had a chat about it, and he said that they like played the mission wrong, um, but they agreed to play it in such a way and so on. So <sighs> it is what it is. But he Matt was like, he didn't seem to care at all. He, like, he seems to be kind of relieved, to be honest, because I think there was more. Hope and expectation that he would be like the Mr. 300 sort of thing. Um, yeah, I don't know if yeah. that would be like the first Australian one, but like uh, his but mate, uh, uh, the current master ha- yeah,
0: current, current master's mate uh, did it yeah. last year, yeah,
2: yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. But like, in all honesty, like talking to the guy, and like, this is just the impression I got from Matt, but he didn't seem to give a fuck at all. His friends seemed to be more concerned about him, <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: like, about it than he did. He was like, oh, whatever, you know. And that's I was
3: just
2: like, true. yeah, like, you're super like, oh, I don't care. And I was like, sweet, I love it how you guys get Ford World trophies. And then I come over and win them and take them to New Zealand. That's no issue by me. <laughs> eh? Like, that's so cool. So yeah. I'm pretty, I'm, like, I'm, I'm pretty chuffed. I'm not going to lie. Um, it took a while to sink in. I, I am a bit upset um, that I didn't get to play like Matt or Charles on like the top table for it because I feel like I sort of snaked it in. But. Mm. I mean, ugh, I can only play who's in front of me. Yeah, no, you
0: still you still won it for Ed Square, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I dropped two points at the start, and then Matt dropped three points, and that was what the difference was. So yeah, yeah, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, like super <laughs> chuffed. The, the the list worked sort of. I'd never played the list beforehand. I didn't have any practice games. I hadn't played two and a half k for like two years. Um, but I had played. A lot of aspects of that list, a lot. So, like, I, I took like the Aquila and the long strikes and the birds to masters last year when I came to CanCon. I, I did the Relictors and long strikes and birds and stuff like that. Um, yeah, like I, it, it did what I expected, and I didn't expect to win. So I was super chuffed by that. And all honesty. it was it was it was really cool, really really cool. I, I'm probably not sounding as excited as I want to because it's like twenty to two and I'm on a on a Tuesday morning now. <laughs>
3: but yeah. I like,
2: yeah. no, I was I was fully I was I was super chuffed to win it and it took a while to set in in all honesty because I was like I'm just I was just waiting for some scoring fuck up to happen um before I could start really believing in it in all honesty. Um and it's just me being like a pessimist and also not playing on the top table at the end. I would have loved to play Matt with Charles. Um that would have been good, but
4: that's Next that's time. how it goes. Okay. Next
1: time, well, who, who knew Knife to the Heart as the final round sort of did work as a separator? Uh,
2: I mean, yes and no. It's Knife to the Heart, I think, works as a separator, yes. I mean, there's a lot of debate about this. I don't know how long you guys want to go on about this. <laughs> I like Knife to the Heart. Um, I think it's more better sort of around four as opposed to around five. But at the same time, Anthony's running a tournament where there's 90 players. And there's five rounds, and at that point you can have like three or four undefeated people, I think, off the top of my head. Yeah. After that many rounds. I mean, Ash like got a draw, which was just, you know, like you'd never you never expect draws to happen because they're so rare in this game. Yeah. Um, yep. which helped. Dan Brewer drop some secondaries early on. I dropped two points, and then Matt dropped three points, and, and that was the separated. It was there was four undefeated players, Ash with a draw. And then there was three of us that were 5-0 and o, um, and we were just separated by sort of minors and secondaries and so on and so forth. So I, I fully endorse endorse like a mission like Knife to the Heart or Blood and Glory or anything like that. Um, I think it's just sort of where you place them into the draw yeah. is is where it can be done. And, I mean, Matty, who I played in the last round, will tell you he he wasn't too happy when we played 45 minutes of Warhammer and that decided to, the tournament effectively. Um <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I think maybe like for having that scenario as the last one as well. It does like as from a pack up, to, like purely from a pack up practical cool point of view, a lot of people are going to be finishing their games sooner, so it's going to help with the pack up.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that yeah, played a part in it. percent oh, agree. <laughs>
0: like so, it's like there's that side of things. As well, like it's kind of all playing in there, but
1: yeah, <laughs> it, it did allow the most mediocre man in Warhammer to leave early and get his flight. So.
2: <laughs> not mediocre um the correct title for that award is average as fuck
3: um
2: <laughs> just so you know but there was there was quite a few people like that who were just like love Lovey morgan as, <laughs> no he's average um there was there was quite a few people who just like took off as soon as they could but i guess that's just the way that the flights work and
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was Sydney GT. Um, massive congrats again, mate. It was it was great to kind of see you and hang out with you and Tubbs and Matty and like ha- have some time. Kind of both evenings, um, we stuck around a bit on the on the Sunday evening as well. Um, I was kind of feeling guilty at that point, like I should probably go home and bath my child. And then I was like, Nah, you guys have come from New Zealand, like it's fine. My child will be fine without me. For one night. For you guys so um yeah, oh yeah we yeah we had a it. we had a monster night on on sunday yeah i heard you were there light. till go midnight or something
2: oh yeah we were we were here late um with with mate jordan a lot of love to yeah. jordan love you jordan if you're listening you're a great dude we Shortest got jordan.
3: man
2: in warhammer oh <laughs> tiniest man in warhammer you know i could put him in my pocket and no one would know but the um, biggest
0: heart but the biggest heart yeah yeah oh
2: huge huge and um <laughs>
0: He play, I don't
4: think
2: he, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he knew what he was into when he came back to the house because he was like <laughs> leaving about an hour later and he was not coherent whatsoever. But <laughs> that's that's a story I'll tell you in person, not over <laughs> a recordable medium. uh but uh, it was it was good. We we just stayed late and we were just soaking in the last of like meeting the mates and having a yarn and sort of as you probably gathered, it Chris when we were there and we're like, Oh yeah, hang out and you guys were like, Oh, we got shit to do, and I'm like, Oh well, we don't, sort of thing. Um, but I tell you, getting like three hours sleep and then getting up for a plane the next day was just the worst. It was yep. just the bad. Like, uh, yeah, I'll tell you in person. It was it was not very good. <laughs> it was it was not. It was very not good. a good That's time. Like. No, yeah. no, no. And I got home, and my partner and my son were like, "Ah, oh, you went to Thailand." I was just like, "Leave me to fuck alone. I need a shower and sleep." Jesus Christ, I've seen some shit over the last twenty hours. Just you know, leave me alone. But I've seen no, things,
0: right? I've just come back from war. I've seen things. I've seen yeah, yeah, stuff, exactly. Exactly.
2: So <laughs> no, it was it was a it was a great time. Um I'd definitely come back. It was like it was it was it was good just seeing all you lads. It was well worth it just doing that. Um winning the tournament was an unexpected part of the tour, which I will absolutely embrace and welcome. But the, I didn't I didn't write my list I didn't come to Sydney. I didn't hone on my skills or anything going, I'm going to win this tournament. Um, I'm the sort of person who will be as competitive as long as I can, which means, like, if I lose a game, I don't give a fuck anymore. So if I lose round one or round two or round three, it, d- it doesn't matter. Like, if I go four and one, people will be like, where did you come? I'll be like, I don't care. Like, But if, if I keep winning, then I'll put in as much effort as I can. But as soon as I lose, I don't care. Um, so, you know, you you win, and then there's, like, first and second loser, I guess, which would be Matt and Dan, but that's all right. Um <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: you, you know, Just throwing some shade from the safety of my house. Um, but, no, it was, it, was, it was great seeing all you lads. It was, like, CanCon, but less crazy, and um I loved it. And, yeah, I, I don't know. Do we want to talk about the venue quickly? Do we want to talk about what we think about 2.5? Do we want to end it?
1: I'm... You know what are we doing, boys? I think let's just uh,
0: let's wrap it up, eh?
1: Yeah, we can wrap it up. The venue was great. Well done, Anthony. Two and a half, still fun. No more than once a year. That's my thoughts.
0: No. yeah. So, Sean, um, where can we find you on on online and all that sort of good gear?
1: Yeah, um,
2: just hit, just check us out at Notorious Ages Sigma. Otherwise, my Twitter is I still for time because I'm trying to figure out what it is is uh, at, oh, is Sean89. There you go. S-H-A-U-N 89. Um Yeah, I post stuff occasionally, normally about the podcasts and so on and
1: so forth, but,
2: you know, hit us up, have a chat. We'll go from there.
1: I think the big thing is you guys coming over. Obviously, there was a lot of talk about Notorious next year, your event mm-hmm. over, in, over in New Zealand, and I think you'll get a big bunch of us, certainly yeah. from Sydney, um heading over. I've got permission already, so... Me and the other half and Riley are all going to come over and uh, make a holiday of it. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's, I think you'll get a bunch of us coming over and yeah. we'll check out Hobbiton while we can. So, uh, yeah, check out Notorious uh, next year. what first weekend of September it's going to be?
2: Yeah, man, um, it's a good time to come to New Zealand as well because it's sort of like, I mean, New Zealand doesn't get as hot as Australia, but it's sort of between seasons. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the 5th and 6th of September 2020, So, like, 11 months away, maybe 10 and a half, lots of time. Uh, It's in Wellington, so flying to Wellington, it's it's the best little capital in the world, as we like to tell ourselves. Um, Far better than
0: Canberra. I prefer Wellington over Auckland.
2: Oh, Auckland is... How long do we have? Auckland's Auckland's a shitter.
0: It's like a small, like, shittier version of Sydney. Anyway, yeah, I think exactly.
2: that might be too much of a compliment, but yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like Auckland, so I, I, I'm not going. I'm not going to start.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: you know, I'm not going to use your podcast as a as a means to fear my agenda on my dislike of Auckland, but that's uh, fine. Well, um, Wellington's
0: way cooler. You got Cuba, you got Cuba Street, and all that sort of cool stuff. It's good. good yeah, times. you'll yeah. see some
2: shit on Cuba Street, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's ten and a half months away. It's about a month after etc, ETC lads uh it's a venue pretty similar to where we were at just like less on steroids so there's like two bars and like two restaurants and you know like a big hall it's not like fucking a casino and 20 restaurants or whatever the, the place had. um and yeah if if everyone commits which i don't assume that said they were going to come over i expect there to be like a big traveling base from australia sort of like 20 or so maybe a little more Uh, Liam and Hayden came over last year, and they came second and third respectively. So they did they did very well. I'm more than happy for you guys to come over and win our trophies. I just want people to travel, I want people to interact, I want people to have fun, and I want people to get to know each other. And that's that's you know when you're playing Warhammer with your mates, it's the best time. I don't give a fuck who wins, as long as everyone has a good time.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, man. Cool man. Well, yeah, thanks for coming on, mate. It's been fantastic having you on the show. And um, good luck in your future endeavors. And um, hopefully we'll see you at Cancon.
2: Yeah, no, no, we come in to Cancon, don't worry about it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so we'll I almost fall- qualified for your masters on two events, so you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come
0: back, come back for masters next year. <laughs> yeah.
1: Chris, did you see where I ranked and where you ranked for? Oh nah, I just I just know I've done one event and won it. So I oh, know um. I've done two now, haven't I? Yeah, I, I need to actually look at my points. Not that I'm
3: bothered,
1: yeah. but don't look up because you might be
2: disappointed, bro. Yeah, all I'm gonna say is you're not the best two tournament player in Australia.
1: No, I know, definitely, I could have told you that
2: anyway. Yeah. Chump Masters in, in Melbourne who wants to go anyway? I can't anyway,
4: <laughs> yeah, right. But this, no, this absolutely,
2: see you boys in CanCon. Love you lots. Thanks for bringing me on
1: no worries mate thanks for thanks for coming on and yeah we'll catch up in a couple of months so
0: thanks for listening everyone we'll catch you later